Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Oh, Lord, I'm messing it up. Y'all hold on. Hold on. Y'all quit looking. Quit looking. (laughs) Welcome to the Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from other high-quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alex from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co-hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts. hey I done messed up the intro to the damn thing already. Think this is my first <laughs> night doing that. Welcome to Bass and Brews Fishing. Alex, yet again, is not with us. So you have to listen to, to me run by mouth the whole night, along with these other two guys who I'll introduce here shortly. But we are your weekly distraction from high-quality podcast content. Uh, we aim to disappoint, and uh, here we are. We're, we're, we're looking to do it, but it's going to be hard to disappoint tonight, at least for our guest. Uh, the guest co-host and myself, we're probably definitely going to disappoint, but our guests won't. Tonight... We have guest co-host, Mr. Nate Shagnon. What's up, dude? What's up? Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, this is what your fourth time, right? You've been on two episodes and, and, and popped in on one of our bigger ones, I think, right? Uh, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I know I've been <laughs> on like five with you between Hoodlum Cast and... <laughs> Look, the only ones that count are the ones we remember, so I, I have been on none with you. Uh, I, I disagree. My first one here was a good one. Now I don't think oh. Alex remember much towards the end of that podcast. Yeah, that's, that's the night you and him polished off of a, a fifth of, of bourbon. Not together, uh, either. Whiskey. Individually. Whiskey. whiskey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our guest tonight, our guest tonight, is is the New England Hammer? I tried to come up with another name than Hammer because y'all know I, I hate I hate that worse overused, but I mean it's the damn truth. But we got Mister Derek Brundle. Derek, what's going on, buddy? What is going on? I'll tell you what. I'm feeling a little kind of undergunned in in the facial area. Like I, I think maybe I should have gone and got like a like a fake beard or something to put on. You know what I'm saying? So I could have kind of filled in the manliness of this you know, panel we got up here. Hey, all you had to do was go home where it shown the fisherman because he had a beard on a couple of weeks ago in that tournament. I kept getting all these damn posts from him <laughs> doing yep, the y'all. Look I saw up. those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to work on his, on his draw. He's too high pitched. He was talking too fucking fast and his draw was, was it just, it, he didn't carry out his vowels enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta go well, all the way I, if you're gonna if you're gonna commit. You gotta really commit and go all the way and practice and you know just hone your craft. He tried. He tried. Look, I'm. It's it's hard to imitate 
somebody as handsome and as awesome as I am, and he did his best. Yep. No. Yeah, but he fell um, short. Are you talking from experience, from when you uh, acted as the snowman in that uh, tournament that time? Who me? Wasn't that what you dressed up? Yeah, as? I was. was, I, I, was I was a polar. <laughs> I was a polar bear, man. As uh, mm. that was a um, <laughs> so funny and not so funny story. Uh, my sister was sick with cancer, um, who eventually passed away, unfortunately, but. We all used to dress up in our pajamas and go over and hang at the house. And you know what? I don't know where the hell I got that costume from. Hey, hon, where did I get the polar bear costume from? <laughs> my, from where? Oh my God! Right. So my my wife my wife's my wife's mother got me this thing like and was serious like you know hey in case you're cold you can now be like a polar bear and it had this this big ass head on it with little fluffy ears and it, and it had like a, a sewn on scarf and it was like way too, way, way too tight. Like in the area, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. And um, you stand up and fish on the new canoe all the time too. I did. And that was during, I want to say, Oh no, that was, it was a Halloween tournament um, where everybody is dressed up. And of course I show up and it's cold out. Right. So I don't have much for like clothes on underneath it. And I mean, it was snow on the ground. It was like the frost wind that you see when it's real cold, like when you're fishing on the Bering Sea out there. You get that steamy, icy. <laughs> oh man, I I stuck it out. I stuck it out for about three hours, and then the the sun finally came out, and I got warm. Um, but yeah, it looked like this big dumbass polar bear going around <laughs> on a kayak out in the middle of nowhere on a. That yeah, was it was ugly, but. Yeah, so my my mother in law got me this thing, thinking it was uh, thinking it was kind of cool, and um, yeah, I don't know. Where, where, so, did we throw it away? Yeah, yeah, we threw that thing away. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a real life Christmas story episode where it where might you even got have been a real life Christmas present. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that was when you were you had the cooler that you sat on on the old new canoe, wasn't it? Yep, that's for oh. sure. <laughs> Man, that's funny as hell. Look, I, I have not yep. – when I go fishing, I have not dressed up but because when I go fishing, like, I'm – I want to fish. And and yep. I'm – I just – I can't I, – I can't get into no into a fun I'm, – I'm a very unpleasant person to fish with. People want to fish with me. I'm like, sure, man, come on. But I pedal. I don't sit still. I pedal. I cover a lot of water. I'm self-deprecating. I scream and holler and cuss at myself a lot. And I'm just, I'm just not fun to fish with. You know, they, they see this persona here. I'm fun to hang out with. But when we go fishing, I, it's, it's not. It's not fun. I tell people that people still want to go with me, and we go. But uh, it, it's not, a, it's not a really a good time. Not at all, and I and I don't really catch fish, so it's you know pretty much shitty. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> in the eye of the beholder, right? Hey, well, you're 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right. That's for sure. <laughs> well, well, Derek, what? Tell us why. What? What has brought you here right now on Bass and Brews podcast? What? What is? What is the journey that has brought you to where you are right now? Oh man. We have to go way back for that. Um, yeah, I mean, 
just as a kid growing up hunting and fishing got interested in the outdoors you know what i mean and um it just kind of that passion kind of overran overran everything else growing up and you know in the morning before school i would go waiting for as long as i could go and then throw my rod in the woods and run to the bus soaking wet go to school you know come home jump off the bus grab the fishing rod head back to the lake um and this you know, is and then, this is Mass this is Massachusetts. This yeah. is born and raised. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, grew up in Massachusetts. Um, you know, basically almost the same area that Nate grew up in. Um, and then, you know, kind of, kind of just as I got to more of an adult, I you know ended up having having a kid when I was young, and um, she's grown and married now, and we did the whole you know, family thing where we would, you know, I'd get plenty of fishing in, but we did the traveling, softball, dance. My, I mean, my daughter won national dance titles. Um, she actually hmm. made it to um, second round of the Celtics dance team uh, hmm. tryouts, which was pretty awesome. Um, you know, but now, like I said, she's grown. She lives on the West Coast. She's got a son of her own, my grandson. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk you know, about that because you were just out there not too long ago, yeah, two weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, so that passion just kind of took over and fishing, you know, a bunch of tournaments. We, you know, I was fishing bass boat tournaments a lot with my dad when I was younger, grew up, got into high school. Um, it's where I met my buddy, Matt Conant. Um, and we used to fish tournaments together back in school, back in high school, freshman in high school, um, little John boat tournaments and, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then, kind of got away from it i ended up we ended up moving out to texas for a while um moved back here um and then got you know kind of got back into the whole tournament scene started off fishing out of a little crawdad um that i got mm -hmm. from a buddy of ours that passed away and um at one of those tournaments i seen this dude with a uh a new canoe pursuit with a motor guide on the front of it and i'm like Damn, that thing is nice. Uh, what year was that? Oh, that was like 2017 or 18. And um, I said, damn, I got to get one of those. And uh, ended up buying one and then, you know, buying a motor guide and get it all set up. And like, damn, I got to start doing this kayak stuff, man. This kayak stuff's legit. And then it just kind of grew into a, a bunch of things from, from there. I mean, I got hooked up with um, Blake uh, Young, the owner of New Canoe, and, and uh, they put me on the team, and it's kind of just snowballed and spiraled from there. Um, bless you. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I just started, like, you know, it's like, man, I want to start doing this, like, on a much larger scale. I want to travel around. I want to hit all these, you know, uh, lakes that you – heard of your whole life growing up down in the south uh you know Kissimmee and, and Okeechobee and then Gunnersville and all those lakes that I've always wanted to fish and um you know my wife kind of just said do what you want man I mean that's that's on you and um kind of gave me like all the rope I needed to hang myself and I hung myself <laughs> um you know I it just I it's just spiraled into something that I that I absolutely love and then I was fortunate enough to nudge Conant just enough to get him out of the out of the old um, John Boat world and got him to buy a kayak. And we literally rigged up his kayak the day that he went out and fished the 
whatever special challenge KBF had, um, it was like late in the year. It might have been like a Thanksgiving thing or whatever. And he qualified for the national championship. I think it was a national championship, yeah. And um, wouldn't you know, the dude went and just won the whole thing. Um, and then that spiraled <laughs> out of control. You know what yeah. I mean? And then you meet all these really cool dudes, you know, like Nate and, you know, Ken Wood and all these other dudes that you meet, like, along the way. Um, my buddy Shane from California. Um, you know, all these dudes that I met along the way and built these great friendships with um, has just come full circle, and here we are today. Yeah, and 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 so you th- that was the high level view of it because from a, a, the kayak world, you know, you're from the Northeast, and a lot of people yep. think that there aren't big fish up there, and the folks up there don't really bass fish that well. You know, that's that's a mantra that you get from people that don't know, and mm-hmm. in in fishing in general, not just kayak, but fishing in general. And we and, and the folks that that have done this long enough know that's not right, but but you started kayak fishing not that long ago, if you want to be honest, right? Twenty seven, twenty eighteen was kind of the yep. that 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 trajectory to the moon of kayak fishing in the tournament world. But you you have fished it all. You've won in in all of the trails you fished in. Uh, you have championships. You've got tournament wins. You 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 were, I think, to my knowledge, and now my kayak fishing experience and knowledge is limited uh, to a lot of other people that do these podcasts. But you you were, I think, one of the first ones from the Northeast to to get people to perk up and say, "Well, shit, <laughs> we we're down here in Alabama or South Carolina, or Florida, and we getting our ass beat by by a damn Yankee." Uh, you know what? I heard that a lot. I heard the Yankee thing a lot. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I guess, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm the, you know, the OG of the Northeast or anything like that. I mean, I think that title probably goes to Ken Wood. I mean, that dude has <laughs> done it all, has been everywhere, has won everywhere. Um, but I think that I kind of came onto the scene at just the right time. I mean, you know, while I was doing little stuff in like 2018, 2019, I, I set out with a goal to fish some of these bigger events. And that was with, um, at the time, Matt Conant wasn't doing it. He was still doing the, you know, the John Boat stuff. And uh, my really good buddy, country music artist, Rob Pagnano was like, dude, let's roll out, bro. Let's go, let's go hit some of these things. So I had a road buddy, somebody split all the costs with, you know, and then, um, you know, we decided we were going to take a run at the very first tournament that both of us had fished on that side, on that level, um, would be Lake George in New York. And, uh, I think I finished like fourth or something like that. And it was, it was like one of those things like, Oh man, I just, I, I just came in front of Greg Blanchard, dude. Like I just beat Greg Blanchard. <laughs> and unfortunately I couldn't say it about Ken Wood cause I think he won that. Um, but anyways, it kind of like started that whole thing. And then, um, like I said, I think it kind of started, I don't know, it kind of started like this, this weird, like feeling inside me. And I, I really started to connect with the guys at new canoe and they really helped to propel, I think my name out there with a lot of companies. They got me hooked up with motor guide. Um, and then motor guide really helped me, um, get my name out there 
So you were hearing it a lot through New Canoe. You were hearing a lot through Motor Guide. Um, and then, you know, some of the, the bigger tournaments were, yeah, I mean, well, Ray's coming out. That was a little bit later. Um, but, you know, I think that once we got the ball rolling, it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Um, and I think it really boosted my confidence uh, um, to do well and finish well. And then, you know, of course, in 2019, I won the Northeast Angler of the Year. I won the KBF Rookie of the Year. Um, I ended up second in Angler of the Year points, made it to the 10 house. Uh, so 2019 was like, you know, huge for me. And I think from there, that name really grew from that. Uh, you know, Chad Hoover had done a bunch, you know, uh, promoting me basically and, and helped me out in that direction too. So, yeah, it was um, – it was just something that started off as let's go have a good time. And I think we can hang with these dudes to, Oh my goodness. Um, now I'm doing podcasts and this and that. And, uh, you know, you're getting to the R and D side of, you know, like with motor guy, I helped to, uh, launch and design the, the motor guide kayak motor. You know what I mean? Um, if you look in, you know, like Bass Pro Shops, I'm on, I'm in there. If you look at Walmart online mm-hmm. catalog, I'm in there. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just how it, boom, boom, all of a sudden, boom. Um, it was pretty wild. So, And um, you stand out, fortunate. too. Yeah, and you stand out. One of the ways you stand out, not only from the fishing, is um, you, you got the big, the big, I call it a van. It's, it's like the work truck van. <laughs> That's that's got all the stuff on it. So you you you're riding around in the big van. You don't have a pickup truck. You don't have a trailer. You got a van that you you're hauling your shit in. You're sleeping out of. It's got all the the you know the wrap and the stickers and yep. stuff on it. And so you you've created a persona that that people know who you are when you roll up. It's different than what you see in a lot of this stuff. And you know you say you can get out of control. And I'll say this about fishing. It don't matter if you're fishing from the bank, a kayak, a John boat, a bass boat. It doesn't matter. If you get it, You it doesn't matter what level you are or what you're fishing out of or where you're fishing from. You you can get in deep regardless of where you are. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's not hard to just dive in and get to going. Can y'all hear that damn dinging? I can't hear okay, shit. Okay, good. So don't ask me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> But, but I can't hear a damn thing because I'm colorblind, but that's just how life goes sometimes. So <laughs> Yes, Nate, fishing uh, with me is probably aggravating. He'll say something. I'm like, what? 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 Besides when you get a hook in you, I, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, when I go, again, talking about fishing with people, I'm always saying, huh? I'm like, huh? Huh? And finally, I was like, look, you, Look at me mm-hmm. and talk like scream at me because I can't hear yep. shit. I can't hear yep. nothing. Uh, you can ask my wife; she would agree. I don't hear nothing. The worst thing she said she ever did was get me these noise canceling headphones <laughs> <laughs> because that has taken it all out. I can't hear nothing uh, anyway, and now I got some shit making me more deafer. Um, all right, so you you started in the boat side. And then got the, the John boat, the small boat, and then got to the kayaking side. You, what? And I'll say this to start it off. You you see you fishing a lot of swim baits oh, yeah. up, in, up in New England. 
right? Yep. And and that's not something that you you know swim bait in the East Coast is is starting to be a lot more prominent. Yep. But you you're fishing a lot of big swim baits up in the Northeast. Is that how? What got you into that? Like what what in the your lure selection, how you fish, kind of led you into fishing swim baits in the in New England? Because when I first saw that, I'm like, seriously, what the <laughs> hell? That's yeah, damn, no shit. Yeah, I mean, like you said, though, um, in the last couple of years, the swim bait game up here has really exploded. And I think people have finally realized that big baits catch even small fish. So it's worth mm-hmm. at least throwing them for a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you the main reason why I started throwing swim baits, because a lot of the a lot of the lakes and the ponds that we fish up here are connected to the ocean in some way. And we have sea run herring that come up and spawn mm. in these lakes and ponds up here. So you get these herring that are 10, 12 inches long, you know, weigh a pound, pound and a half or whatever they weigh. Uh, the same thing that these big 40 pound striped bass are eating. Uh, these large mouth are eating or small mouth in some of these lakes up here. Um, they come up and they drop their eggs and they're around for a little while. They get eaten by some bass and they head back out. Well, then those little Eggs grow into little, you know, um, little herring. And and then all of a sudden, you've got these big bait clouds of little herring all around. So I think that circle of life and those bass, I think there's one spot that I fish where this river comes into this lake and it's it's a herring run. And in the springtime, the big largemouth will group up around the mouth of that thing. And they're only there for one reason. They're waiting for those herring to come up. And they're waiting to eat those big baits. Um, and then, you know, you see all the videos of Butch Brown and these dudes out on the West Coast just slamming, you know, just slamming 10-pounders, 12-pounders or whatever on these big, you know, like depths 250. That thing's like, I don't know, 10 inches, six and a half ounces or whatever, you know <laughs> what I mean? And I'm like, dude, that's something that I want to do, you know? And then, so I started throwing swim baits a long time ago, but not to the extent that I throw them now. And then I've learned over the years that there's a sweet spot and it's in the Northeast anyways. And it's in that six to seven to eight inch range where you'll catch one pounders and five pounders and three pounders and seven pounders or whatever on that size range. They really enjoy that six to eight inch size range. So you'll see me throwing, I, I really like to throw mag drafts. I throw uh, the freestyle mag draft. I throw the pre-rig mag drafts um from mega bass and they just flat out catching them because they you know a, a lot of the fish up here also eat perch so a lot of the perch mm. that they're eating you know are that size whether they're white perch or yellow perch um and the herring and you know these other you know we've got some trout lakes up here that the fish mm. eat some trout but um for the most part you're trying to imitate that that white perch or that yellow perch or that you know herring or that you know whatever type of larger profile bait that's up here and that mag draft and that i think the sweet spot where you get the most bites is that, that six inch mag draft if you're throwing a mag draft um but it takes a long time to get the cadence down of you know the speed they want to eat it and it's usually like crawling just enough to keep it off the bottom keep it from following up um but yeah i mean throwing swim baits are something i really love it very rarely do i not have a big rod on the boat with a you know a 10 inch six and a half ounce depths hanging off the back of it and people just shake their head <laughs> as i roll by them you know what i mean yeah. uh, and then people really shake their heads because i'm throwing that in a 
tournament. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I, if I know that I'm in a big fish area and I want that one big bite, I mean, I don't mind wasting a few hours trying to get one big bite. I mean, the conditions got to be right. And I'm learning a lot about the conditions when it comes to big baits um, from a good friend of mine that's from the West Coast, very successful uh, pro bass guys, Cameron Smith. And I've been learning a lot watching him with these big baits. Um, he's actually was cool enough that him and I teamed up on a local trail around here, fishing a, a local big boat trail. Mm -hmm. And um, do you like watching this dude fish one of those big baits like half the time i forget that i'm fishing in the back i'm just watching him you know it's like he'll be looking back and like oh i should be casting right you know what i mean <laughs> um, but like you know he's he's definitely the master of the five bait like I, i've seen him catch more fish i mean you know like four pound smallmouth on a trout glide bait this big you know what i mean like you don't expect a dude throwing a, a, a big 10 inch glide bait on a trout Lake because you know on a smallmouth lake because you don't think they're gonna eat it but they eat it uh, so I'm learning a lot when it comes to that but um, yeah I like throwing the big rats like I've got a bunch of rats I like fishing at night a lot um, <laughs> you you and, and, and you and the New Englanders with that damn rat I mean y'all y'all be talking <laughs> dude, about they that eat it man <laughs> they eat it. I mean, well, it's in, pretty neat when in, you throw a, a rat out there that's 13 inches long and you're just crawling <laughs> that thing across the top and it going bloop, 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 bloop. And then just <laughs> this explosion and you set the hook and you don't think you hook the fish, you're reeling in and the fish is this big. I mean, <laughs> I've caught fish less less in length than the rat is, you know what I mean? And that, uh -huh. Quite often. Um, and it's that whole, I don't know, I think it's the whole ambiance of throwing a huge bait, thinking that any bite could be the one where you catch the biggest fish of your life, mm. you know? So there's a, there's a swim bait that I've, I've bought and I, I buy the smaller one cause I don't have the gear to throw the big ones, but I got on it through casting crank podcast, Nick, who's been on, on our podcast and it's Billy Skinner's the chicken gizzard is the one he's putting out. Now y'all go check that out because it's uh it's a silicone swim bait. It's, it's pretty badass, and you can skip it. It's neat. Go check it out. Billy Skinner, the Chicken Gizzard. Um, what is the it? most uh, – well, they go from five and a half inches all the way up to a seven and a half inch. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm check them out. So, yeah, check them out. They're, they're really neat. He's out of Yuma, Arizona. So check mm -hmm. those out because they're, they're neat. They're, uh, he, he's got one that you can put the uh, – that's weedless, so it's got the beast owner mm -hmm. hook on it. Then he's got one that that's a single treble off the belly. Yep. What's the what's the most expensive bait that you've tied on? You reared back your rod and you casted it, and you casted it, and the bait hits the water and you start reeling, and that bitch is gone. Like, do you have one of those like a a two hundred dollar bait that you've casted and watched it hit, and then it's gone? Yeah, man. Um... <laughs> It sounds like there's more than one. Close, close your ears, hon. Um, yeah. Um, now I've I've got this. Um, uh, I've got this buddy. I, I mentioned him earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me, Rob Pagnano. He was out in California um, on a guided trip with the maker of the Johnny Rat, um, which is like a two hundred two hundred dollar rat or whatever. Um, and yeah, I've done it. I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I gotta I gotta take it take it back for a minute on this one. Um 
<laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I remember tying that thing on the first time, and I, I think it was, I think it was like 220 bucks or something. And uh, tying that thing on, I'm like, dude, I'm going to catch giants. I'm just going to catch giants on this thing. It's going to be insane, you know. I reared back, and I always used, like, 20-pound P-line, coke polymer line. Um, mm-hmm. It's got some stretch to it. It floats, you know, so it's good for that type of bait. I rear back, and I fire that thing off, and first thing I do is blow that reel up, and snap, that thing goes flying. Very first cast. <laughs> Very first cast. Hey, and it's dark out. It's dark out. <laughs> and I'm listening for it to hit, and it splashes down, and I just – Put the motor guide on full, and I'm just driving. I get the headlamp going. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> like 30 minutes, I pull up and I see it, and it's like right on the edge. I don't even know how I saw it. It was like just the nose sticking out of the edge of the bushes. Um, and I got it back. I rounded <laughs> my rat's nest, uh, tied it back on, and I did. I caught I don't know maybe a half a dozen fish that night and they were all good ones like four plus pounders you know um and i you know i said to myself man it was almost the worst night of my life (laughs) the most expensive bait i've ever owned i snap it off on the first cast but anyways i got it back i caught a bunch of fish on it but not too long after that um i was throwing it during the daytime because you will get bites on it during the daytime it looks so realistic um and you know it's got the right action so i was just bringing it down the edge real slow down this bush line and it's swimming in and out of the bushes like it's supposed to and i was reeling and all of a sudden this fish blows up on it i set the hook and, oh yeah yeah and i see it like half come out of the water and it's this giant pickerel and i'm like no <laughs> no and like it started shaking and next thing you know boom, and it pops off oh. i'm like no no so i hit the button the motor guide thank god the motor guide's fast i went racing over there as fast as i could and i seen it laying down on the bottom with the rat and it's just shaking its <laughs> mouth like that hey and it sees me and takes off right so i'm like trying i can see the, the rat has a big pink tail on it right so i'm just seeing the pink tail and i'm chasing that thing around and finally that thing shook it enough that the rat popped out and it floated up to the surface <laughs> and i got it back i so lost that bait like twice neighbor. You look like my neighbor Harold out there chasing his dog around the neighborhood because oh, yeah. it got off the leash, and you. But you was oh, yeah. on a boat in the water chasing around. Oh hey, yeah, the, just the, real the quick. People... <laughs> look, look real quick on Bass and Brews. It's called a fucking jackfish. It ain't a pickerel. It ain't a pike. <laughs> if, if it's long, slender, slimy, and got teeth, we call it jackfish. Now yeah. it's a jack. We call them gators up here. Well, because y'all ain't got real gators. So, but, but <laughs> no, on this no. podcast from here on out, no. it's a jackfish. Uh, it was a jackfish. And it was a monster jackfish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I broke that, that, I broke that thing off twice and got it back. I still got it. It, it never leaves it never leaves the kayak. Nice. That, nice. Happened, nice. Uh, that happened this weekend with the popper. He goes, Oh, I'm on. I'm snapped off. I'm not here a few seconds later. <laughs> Oh, hey, there's my popper. <laughs> Fast forward with the motor guide, go over and net the popper. <laughs> I've recovered so, hey, a lot you, of lures. <laughs> you haven't you haven't lost one. You haven't cast the one off and lost it and just like sat down and bought well, there went $150, 200 dollars 
I have lost I have lost a depths two fifty that mm. has never been seen again. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't this know twelve. Yeah, I don't know what ate it. Something ate it and it broke me off, and I've never seen it again. That I so, was so sad yeah. So there's a that. state record Massachusetts largemouth bass swimming around with a depths two fifty still in its mouth. I you know what I actually think. I think I was in Vermont. Mm, mm. I was in Vermont, I believe. Yep. When All right. So, out, so it could have been a pike out, or something. Jackfish. Outside of jackfish. <laughs> outside of that, what? In your, in you, you are a very accomplished tournament angler. What? What are? What is like? What are your? What are you? What are you starting off? And obviously, this is weather dependent. There's a lot of a lot of factors that go into this. But but typically, like, what are your top one or two lures that that when you go out tournament fishing, they're they're your go tos. They're the ones you're starting off with. They're the ones you're going to when when things are tough. Man, I, I I'll be the first. I'll be the first to admit that there's always some type of bladed jig, a chatterbait, uh, a jackhammer, always tied on um, because you can cover so much water. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. They will eat a jackhammer or whatever you want to call it, a bladed jig or whatever, uh, anywhere in the country, any type of bass, spotted bass, largemouth bass, you know, uh, smallmouth bass, they all eat them. Uh, great search bait. So that's always tied on. Man, it's a toss-up between the next two. Um, a jerk bait or a Senko are usually always tied on, or at least a combo of the two always tied on. Um, but, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I keep 11 rods on the boat at all times when I'm on <laughs> tournament mode. Um, mm-hmm. And everything's got something different or a variation of the right. same thing, different color, whatever. Um, but I, I think <clears throat> tournament day is a little bit easier because most of the time you've been there pre-fishing, so you kind of know what you're looking to do um, through what you've eliminated so far and what you haven't eliminated. Um, fishing, I mean, I've got everything tied on. I mean, if you ask Nate, you'll see, if you see me on the water, I always do have a big swim bait tied on at some point. That thing is launching somewhere, trying to catch a big fish to see if I, you know, I'll tell you, I use a depths 250 a lot as a search bait, especially around docks. You throw that thing up along a dock and you start, you know, gliding that thing out nice and slow. And those bass that you swear are not there show up somewhere and they just come out from those docks and they come out from the brush pile. And if you can get them to show themselves, you might be able to catch them. You might not catch them on the depths 250, but they will always, mm-hmm. almost always follow that thing enough so mm-hmm. you can see it. Um, I did it at uh, Lake Murray this year. I was having a trouble during pre-fishing. I said, ah, well, fuck it i'm just gonna go ahead and just do some fishing and have some fun i tied on the depths 250 first dock i pitched it up next to i was talking to matt conan on the phone and i just won two three little glides and out comes this mondo just following it just just like i'm i'm like oh my i'm talking to matt on the phone like giant giant coming out i don't know if it was 10 pounds it was at least eight it was huge (laughs) and then i went by every single dock and i just 
went to I I wasn't fishing for anything. I was just trying to get them to to come out of from under the docks. And I had fished all those docks previous. And I never got a bite. And I went by every dock and I'll bet you 95% of those docks had big bass under them. And when that glide bait went by, they came out and at least looked at it. And I knew they were there. And I knew I had to go back and at least start there for the tournament because the potential for over 100 inches was where I was. Um, They did not bite. I did get, I did well, but I I didn't get any of those big fish. Um, I don't even think during the tournament I got one of those fish to bite, but I knew they were there. So I kept going back Mm -hmm. and about a mile and a half run to where I was catching fish, backed over there, check those fish, see if they bite. Nope, run all the way back, fish those fish. Oh, nope, run all the way back. Um, I spent a lot of time doing that. If I know there's big fish in an area, uh, I will spend some time trying to catch them. Um, but not, well, I try not to spend too much time. Yeah. Well, the candle whole thing wood. about. You what said about candle wood? You definitely spend some time on a fish there. Oh, yeah. How long was that? Oh, man. I was like, I want to say it was like two hours. <laughs> the, I, the, the most time I ever spent on a fish was a bedded fish, and that was, um, that was in Connecticut. I think it was last year when we did that the Candlewood events. Right? Yeah, I went to, uh, I was actually Lake Lilanoa, where I was, Um and I saw that fish on a bed, and I just on the phone with my dad because I talked to my dad a lot during tournaments. He calms me down and he tells me about the leaderboards and what's going on and whatever. Um, <laughs> and I had already fished through this area, and I went back, and the bed that I went to was empty before. <clears throat> and when I pulled up, there was two giants on it, and they were mondos. Um, the the first one I ended up catching fairly quickly. That was a 19 inch largemouth. Um, but when I released him, I looked back and I knew that that was the male because this, this mm. slob of a fish came drifting over the bed. And I said, "Well, that's it. I'm not leaving for the rest of the day till I catch this fish." <laughs> and I literally sat there. I think it was like three and a half hours or something. And I finally caught it was like 20 22 inches, 22 and a half inches or something. Damn it, um, boy! That's the damn. That is a big in there. Yeah, it was. It, you know, it won the biggest fish of the tournament. It was. Uh, it made me some money, but like my dad's like, dude, you're still there. Like he kept calling me back. Are you there still? I'm like, yes. I'm not leaving. You don't understand. I am not leaving this spot. This fish is way too big. I don't care if I lose everything. I'm staying here and trying to catch a fish. Um, well, yeah, in, in a bed that- fishing scenario, yeah. I'll stay for eight hours if I have to to catch one like that. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing with with electronics. With uh, you hear this a lot with with glide baits, especially. Um, you can't catch fish where fish ain't, and that's so right. if you know fish are in an area, then you can you can eliminate so much water and focus your time. Now getting them to bite—that's the art. That's the skill of fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's where some luck comes into fishing as well in that. But sure. if you're in an area fishing, you can be in an area, and I think it, it was, it's not a thing. Edwin Ever said this, you can be throwing the perfect bait in the wrong area and you ain't ever going to catch shit. He didn't say that's shit, right. but I'm saying shit. 
but yep. you can have you can have the wrong bait in the right area and catch fucking fish. And again, it goes mm-hmm. back to me, but Perry's from Spoon Plug, and I ain't said his name in a long time on here. So everybody listening, I gotta throw him in here now. He he coined the term you can't catch fish where fish ain't. And so, you know, having using lures, using your technology to see that fish are there. Well, why the hell, you know, if I go half a mile down the lake here and I ain't seeing nothing, why am I still going to be over here? You know, you go back to where those fish are, especially a tournament situation. That's the whole thing. You got to be boat, cock, it don't damn matter. You got to be where the fish are to catch them. If you can see them and you you know they're there, damn it, spend some time on there to get them. What has, so from the Northeast, right, y'all have limited I, I know Massachusetts doesn't ice over like a lot of the other places up in, in the Northeast and the North. Yep. But being able to translate your fishing game from the Northeast down here to the Southern lakes or to the Texas lakes, uh, to the Midwestern lakes. And because you've won and done very well in tournaments in all these areas across the country, has it, is there, is there something around your area that's helped you translate to other areas or is it just the way you fish and your knowledge and your patience? What, how, how have you been able to translate that down here in, in the other areas of the country? So, I mean, I'll, I'll, here's my theory on how that all works. Um, number one for me is a bass is a bass is a bass. No matter where you go in the country, they all eat food. They're all slobs. They are all lazy. Uh, eventually, they're all going to bite. But one thing I will say about the Northeast is that our fishery is very diverse up here because we do get the four seasons. And you've got lakes up here that are crystal clear. You can see 20 feet to the bottom. You've got lakes up here that you can't see six inches down. You've got lakes that are filled with grass. You've got lakes that are filled with rocks. You've got lakes that have current in them. So really up here you have everything you have and all over the country in one area um and if you can just spend time in each one of those areas and kind of learn the specifics of how those fish like to feed when they like to feed you know weather conditions for that type of water um it really increases your success rate in those other places when you go to Gunnersville where it's dirty and you're just fishing all kinds of grass. Um, I feel at home because there's a lake right up the street from my house. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, Nate's uncle passed away on it. It has grass. It has dirty water. It has clean water. And there's giants in there. I mean, Nate it was nine, five. And, and it has a river. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, you, you can get all of those scenarios around here. You know what I mean? And, and there's, and there's different, different baits that excel in those conditions. Um, so a lot of times when we get to a lake that is someplace we've never fished, like, oh, hey, and Coney and I say this to each other all the time. Hey, this looks like, you know, blah, 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 lake. This looks like this lake. This looks like that lake. Um they're leading to the rock like they are here, you know? So you can find that similarities all over the country. And then um, I just think back to what I would do if I'm at home fishing that lake. And then I just start with that. I know the first time I went down south and I started seeing all the sunken timber and stuff. I'm like, 
oh, dude, this is set up just like A1 and like Westboro. Yep, exactly. All right, let's try this. Like, yep. The now you you talked about fishing in boats, and you have a boat now, right? I do. I actually just picked up a kind of a project boat. It's a uh, 1992, 91, 92 um, Bass Cat. Um, I just mounted mm. a brand new um, Motor Guy Tour Pro on there. Um, yeah, man, I was just kind of one of those things like, oh, man, I'm having so much fun this year on the big boat with my buddy Cameron that um, I want to start doing that stuff around here again like I used to, along with the kayak stuff. So, Do you That's think that the carry, though, because, Paul, you know what him and Matt can do as a team. You put him and Matt on a big boat together, <laughs> they're going to be a problem. <laughs> do you- do you do you feel like that the kayak fishing made you fish better from the big boat? Absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think there's like three main reasons why it made me fish better. Um, first reason being I needed to really pick apart structure more instead of running around like a crazy person. Um, because when you're a kayak, you really don't have that luxury. I mean, <clears throat> kayaks now are becoming more and more advanced. The motorized systems are becoming more and more advanced, whether it's a rear mounted motor or a motor guide or, you know, a, a Minn Kota or whatever you've got. Um, the Newport vessels, you know, torpedoes, whatever you got mounted on your boat, help you get a lot more places quicker, uh, safer. But um, you still have to slow down a lot more and really target your high percentage areas a little bit better when you're in a kayak, in my opinion, anyways. Um, The second reason is probably another reason that would make you fish slower is because you need to be safer. Um, Slowing down, making sure you can fish in that type of condition safely. And then um, people laugh at me when I say this, but you feel like you're a lot closer to the fish when you're in a kayak. I mean, like well, you, because you, you are, on them. you literally. Well, are. Yeah, I mean, physically <laughs> you're closer, yes. Um, but you know, you're also right, almost on the same level with them. You know, it's like when you're in a bass boat, you've got all this stuff behind you, and you got, you know, when a kayak, you can creep up and get intimate with those fish. And you know, I've been two foot from a dock piling and flipped that that thing and watched a bass come out and eat it. You know. Um, so and now, can I add, obviously, yeah. Can I add something to this? I've found uh, one thing that's really helped me with uh, kayak fishing and then going to big tournaments. Like when you look at a lake on Navionics, as a kayak angler, you learn to break down that lake so much different. Because on mm. a big boat, you're running the spots everybody looks at. But as a kayak angler where you're limited – you're looking for those little secret small divots that stand out like on super zoom and stuff. Yeah. Spot in the spot. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. The spot on a spot on a spot that's inside Mm. of another spot is what you're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I learned in the kayak is when you're going, when you want to make a quote unquote run, 
you know, in a kayak and a run is a, like a half mile or a mile. But when you're making, when you're going, when you're, when, you, when you're taking your shit up and you're going to the next spot, you're scanning the whole way. Like you're, you're able to see everything on your graph and, and everything yep. around you. And you're able to go across something of like, holy shit, there's fish here or damn this. Look, there's a brush pile there's a boulder. I've, yep. I've, that's, that's something that in my local lakes with a couple guys that have boats that, you know, we, we fish together. I hop on their boats every now and again. And, and I say, Hey, let's go look at this spot. And I'm like, damn, I've been driving by this for two years and didn't yep. know it was there. And it's because they're going 65 miles an hour across it and they never saw it. And there was nothing there to, sure. you know, they didn't know that brush pile existed. Um, what was the third thing you had three, you went through two. What was the third thing? So the third thing I think is a lot, I don't know if it's so much dedicated to kayaking as far as um, just learning to be a lot more stealthy, you know what I mean? Um, Mm. Because I think think it's kind of more of a proximity thing, like I was saying, because I always find myself right on top of fish for some reason, and if you ever roll up on a fish, usually in your bass boat, you've got, you know, three transducers pinging and doing their thing. And, uh, you know, you got the waves slapping off the thing. A lot of times that, that fish will spook, but we roll up in a kayak a lot of times. It doesn't go anywhere. It just stays there, you know, unless you do something crazy and you hit your, you know, remote and you blow out a bunch of sand off your prop or, you know, do something like that. Then, yeah, you got to spook that fish. But a lot of times they'll hold a lot tighter to the cover before you know you can get right on top of them when the bass boat it just seems like i've never been able to get that close so with your boat are you looking at doing some opens local tournaments kind of oh what's, no what's no idea? yeah just yeah just the local stuff no i mean this this thing um you roll up to the opens and this thing people will be laughing at you you know what i mean like you know it's just Derek, not, not that two it's, years. yeah <laughs> Hold on. Two years from now, Derek Brundle is going to be fishing the damn Northern Opens out of his 1992 Bass Cat and and, <laughs> and winning money. And I'm watch. I'm saying it right here, right now. You watch. You watch. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Asked, you asked, but have you watched uh, Blanchard's YouTube video with Obi and Rupia? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he brings yep. you inside, and he's got the open trophies from that boat. Mhm. I mean, yeah. I mean, could it be done? Sure. Um, do I have any intentions of doing that? No. Um, I literally just got it for doing some. There's some good local trails around here. We have a lot of really good local fishermen around here that never travel any further than Massachusetts, basically. Um, and every state's the same. Uh, there's local hammers that you never ever hear of um, because they don't ever want to be heard of. Um, but yeah, I mean, my whole goal with that was just to have another outlet to do some local stuff, um, and you know, get back into the into the the big boat side of it because there's a lot of dudes that I that I know around here that I respect that are very good fishermen, and you know, always trying to fish against the best to try and make myself better. You know, you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, I mean, the only intention for that boat was just that. I got a smoking deal on it, um, and it seemed like fun, so why not? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you hear Todd Castledine is one you hear. If you ever listen to podcasts he's on or watches YouTube, he talks about 
the money he wins fishing local. Uh, now he's also in an area where yeah, there's for sure. there's two or three tournaments a week. I mean, you know, he has a lot more yep. opportunity down there. But oh Lord, Nate to turn his damn he what he must have had to go tank. He lost his beard. He lost his beard. Yeah. Oh no, he, he just didn't. looks he like a weird, weird stick figure. <laughs> <laughs> but you can those funny. those local guys that can fish their ass off. Why why would they travel all over the country if they're just you know, fishing to win money? You know they don't want to. Sure. They're not going to be on the elites. They're not going to fish MLF. They're not going to do that stuff. They stay local and they win twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. And there are yeah. tons of people that fish local that win that kind of damn money. I mean, you know, there's something to say about staying local. It doesn't mean that you can't fish or you haven't proven yourself because you have fished nationally. But I mean, you look at it from a business perspective. And it doesn't matter, kayak or boat, it doesn't matter, right? If you're going to fish tournaments and you're going to stay yep. local and you're you're winning extra ten or twenty or thirty thousand dollars out of the year, shit. Yep. You te- I mean, oh, come yeah. on now. You make, yeah, you got you make no travel. You got no yeah. You got no travel expenses, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know mo- you know most of these lakes around you because it's local. Um in my case, I grew up fishing all these lakes. I mean, I grew up in the next town from where I live right now. Um, and, and, and I do it now. I mean, um, you know, my wife had some, uh, two strokes earlier this year, so it kind of limited my national scale, uh, driving all over the country for a while. Um, but when I could, I got out and fish a lot of local stuff. Um, we've got some awesome local trails. I mean, Kenwood runs one of the best trails I've ever been involved with the Massachusetts kayak bassin. Um, his events they sell out you know within a few minutes uh seconds sometimes um and then he's got to add different events just to uh, you know appease everybody that's in the club um and you know some of the the names that are in there are crazy it's the same (laughs) names that we fish against across the country you got you know you got john ferreira nate you got ken wood you got um mike marcone you got matt conant um, you got Anthony Campbell, you got Neil Raposa, you got all these dudes that you see on the kayak trail all over the place that fish mm-hmm. all right here. Um, so we're always battling it out and, you know, shit talking all the time on the local level. Um, and, and we all do it for fun, but we're all serious about it too, you know? Um, and, and, and then again, and- like I said, there's so many different local things that you you get into monthly stuff like that. You, you know, win two, three, four hundred dollars a month on a, on a four different monthlies, and you've won sixteen hundred dollars for that month. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and and I do a lot of that, and that's the reason for that. Um, and then you know, you've got all the national stuff. EKF Elite Kayak Fishing is a, becoming a really big trail up this way. Uh, they hold amazing events. Um, so there's a lot of cool local stuff that, like you're saying, I mean, if you lock down on just local stuff and fished two or three tournaments a week, you could probably make another 25, 30 grand locally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For sure. So funny story about Mike. They have they questions, are, Chris. They, everybody up here. Yeah, I know. I'm talking. What, ha- what happened to your family. face? What happened to your face, bro? Are you talking to us or are you talking to your uh, puppy dog? I'm talking to you. We have also you? trails up here that 
accommodate to everybody. Ken runs Sunday events. He runs Saturday events. He runs the Thursday night throwdowns for the people that can't make weekends. I mean, they have opportunities for everybody up here in the kayak, and I think that makes it really cool as well. Well, running a tournament there is kind of difficult, too, because don't you have bodies of water where you can only have so many people on? All of them. Yeah, um, that's why we sell out in seconds. Yeah, so (laughs) in in Massachusetts, there's a lot. You have a tournament with more than 24 anglers in it. You need to hire a police detail to supervise the event. Um, So when you hire this police detail, there goes your entire pot. So you just shut the just shut the entries off at 24. So you're still legally following the rules. And then, you know, Ken will like like Nate said, Ken will run an event on Sunday. So the dudes that couldn't get into the Saturday event can fish Sunday or he'll run a separate event on that Saturday. So those dudes can fish that Thursday night throwdowns. Um, we're just like a pop-up thing, you know what I mean? It's just, there's so much opportunity, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, up here, we don't have big lakes, really. I mean, there's, you know, you're fishing a big lake around here. You're, you're, you're really killing it at 1200 acre lake. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's massive up here. Down here in the Carolinas, we call them ponds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're called ponds up here too, but we try and make ourselves cool and call them lakes. You know what I mean? Um, I remember going down to Alabama and seeing what you guys consider a river for the first yeah. time, and being like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> yep. So, funny story about Mike Marcone and how small this world is. I used to be a wildland firefighter, and the first year that uh, I was fighting fire. I, uh, one of my buddies, there was a group of us in the bunkhouse. One of my buddies was Matt Sikowski. And when I started kayak fishing and started posting shit on, on the, on the, the Facebook and Instagram and shit like that, he messaged me. I can't remember exactly how it went, but something about my buddy up. He's from Boston. Originally my buddy up in Boston does some fish. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, Cool. And you get these right. My buddy does some fishing, and sure. they yeah. like they fish in front of the bank with worms and shit. Well, he yep. sends me Mike Mike's information. I look, I'm like, I text him back, like, oh shit, he does he he's he does real fishing, like he's traveling and yeah. shit. So I messaged Mike. Now we had we hadn't talked as much this year, but that all of last year, you know, me and Mike went back and forth, and he couldn't fish a lot last year. Yeah. But we, we messaged back and forth, but I got connected through Mike from a buddy of mine <clears> from 2007 from Wild yep. and Firefighting. And that was kind of my first introduction to people fishing up there in, in the Northeast. So speaking of tournaments in the Northeast, mm-hmm. you hear, you know, you have some of the, the bigger tournaments that come up there. And I know y'all are yep. New England and then there's Northeast. I, I got schooled on the difference, but, you know, for yep. the fucking jits and giggles of it, you hear a lot about these these our larger kayak trails going up there and the turnouts being low. Sure. Compared to the the South, what do you think the reason for that is? Now, obviously, and I'll let me preface it with this. Part of it is a majority of your anglers that are fishing them in the South and Midwest are in those areas. They live there. Yeah. And it's a long ass haul up there. But what what do you think? How did how do you get it? How do you get it higher? What what is what is the thing about the turnout in those areas 
because y'all max out y'all's tournaments. Y'all got hell of angers, but y'all are all there. I'm going to let I'm going to let Nate go over here because he's pointing and wagging and doing all kinds yeah, of yeah, yeah. stuff. Look, his look, his freaking beard is switching up there. I know Nate. I know Nate has something to say because he turned his fucking camera back on. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to some people on this one. I think flat out the reason those big trails don't sell out up here those southern people are not coming up here you check down there everybody that's fishing the northeast trails up here are fishing down there you go check mm-hmm. Kissimmee for kbf you go check hobie down there there is a ton of northeast guys going down south you go check up here though there is none of those big name people coming any further than pennsylvania Pretty That's much the same story. exact answer I was going to give. What you're saying is, y'all, y'all are there. The the folks that fish the local tournaments in the Northeast and New England, they're fishing those big tournaments. What we don't see is that that pool of the other hundred coming from the South and the other what areas. What I'm saying is, you will never see a Christine Fisher up fishing a Hobie at Winnipesaukee. You will never see Guillermo up fishing a Hobie at Winnipesaukee. Will they go fish a Hobie down south? Absolutely. I I yeah, I don't I, I don't think, have no I, I don't have no dog that, in that game. I'm just curious because that's one of the things you hear, and y- y'all catch big fish in Massachusetts. Now, also where y'all are, y'all can't have a 200 boat tournament in most of your lakes, but there are big fish to be caught there. And especially when you get in the smallmouth season, sure. I mean, motherfuckers up there catching 34 pound bags of smallmouth. I don't know where the hell it was. It's somewhere, it was somewhere north of North Carolina. But yep. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like there's not big fish to catch. And when you, when the smallmouth bite is on, we've seen it through bass and MLF, it sure. is on. They are catching fish left and right so much that it's the only time you ever think catching fish is fucking boring. Yeah, I, I think there's, besides the reasons or, you know, kind of the obviousness of what Nate has stated, there's, I think there's two reasons. Um, number one reason is y'all hate us from down south. Y'all, <laughs> y'all hate the Yankees. I, I mean, I don't the, hate the, the, the I south. Don't, no, the, the, I don't hate y'all. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you that the South will never rise again, no matter how many times people say it. Um, and I, think, I think they resent the people from the North. Uh, no, but all, all, all seriousness, um, I think there's a lot to do with those trails are just recently starting to come up this way. Mm-hmm. And they don't really know that the fishery can be just as hot up here as it is down there. Um, and just as good. I mean, you've got guys catching hundred inch bags up here, um, during tournaments, you've got the smallmouth fishery is incredible. Um, and that kind of scares a lot of anglers to be honest with you. I think that when you get to, you leave, I mean, you got the heart of kayak fishing. Let's be honest is the Tennessee river lakes i mean all that area down there that's where kbf started that's where the whole thing was kind of born you know or or made quote unquote famous um and and it still is i mean 
I know the local trails down there, they get 100 boat entries all the time. Um, well, well, not only OB that, goes down there, a, they sell out immediately. Yeah, well, you not not only that, to, to cut you off for a quick second, that the TVA area is where the, the pros who don't live in the South are moving. The California yeah, guys exactly. are moving there. You know, northern guys yep. are, are moving there. Like that, that is right now that that Tennessee Valley um, TVA area, all those lakes. Yep. That's that's the mecca of fishing right now because of the quality For of sure. fish and the, the bodies yep. of water. But yeah, I, it, it's funny. But traveling, and this leads me into something, Derek, with you and Nate. Y'all travel together. Mm-hmm. You're driving. You know, when you have to come down in the early part, of, so for two thirds of the fishing season, you're down here if you're traveling fishing national trails. Yep. You're down here. You're coming to Florida, Texas, Alabama, uh, you know, South Carolina. Yep. Those are two, two and a half day, 18 hour travel travel times for you. It's not like some, you, you're just not taking a Friday off to pre fish and then fish. You're having to take days off just to yeah. get down here. Not even yeah. not e- if if you just get down here and fish Saturday, you're still having to take days off to get down here. How do y'all how do y'all make that travel work? Like how does it how do you make Red it Bull. viable and fun? <laughs> Red Bull, a lot of Red Bull. <laughs> um, no, I mean, and, and that was. And that was kind Y'all of all pile in Derek's van and drink Red Bulls and sing and sing country western songs on the way down to Texas. I know Alabama was twenty eight straight. It was me, Ken Wood, and Joe Dedeo in the car, and we didn't stop for gas more than gas or food. And I mean, one dude was driving, the other two were sleeping, and it was just the whole it- way. Is is that where is that where Ken is that where Ken messed you up, Nate, and dropped all of his um dropped his box of hooks and and weights and shit and y'all got mad at each other? You remember that podcast? Uh, that, Alabama Alabama's <laughs> where me and Joe uh, me and Joe messed Ken up on the scoreboard. But uh no, that was Florida when uh <laughs> We that were, was Florida. I was just we gonna were say, that starting. Was we were starting uh, Stevo's, whatever his FS podcast was called. He had going there. Um, <laughs> it was a spinoff of yours. I don't know something bass and bourbon instead of bass and brews. I don't know what he called it. Yeah, but, uh, they, tried had, to, they, they tried to. They tried to steal at that point in time. They tried to. They tried to come off of our hundred viewers episode, and. Uh, <laughs> Nobody could understand what the fuck was going on after like five minutes. So, so it was time. like yep. literally right as we had started rolling. And I'm like, Ken, are you going to be on this? And he's like, I'll be on in a little bit. And I'm like, all right, just be a little bit quiet. Then he's like, all right, <laughs> literally Steve-O clicks go. And all you hear is his terminal. Across <laughs> <laughs> the tile. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so Derek, I've never fished. I fish out of a Hobie besides my little Walmart kayak, which is, again, it's an Avalon 120. You can still find them. It was a good-ass kayak for the river. You can't stand up in it if you're fat as hell like me, but I fish out of a Hobie. The the new canoes, big deck space, you stand up, like the first time I ever saw you 
in the videos I've watched, you were always standing up. Have you ever fallen out your kayak? Never. Why? Why you even gotta put that juju on him? Well, I'm just I, asking. I, I, anyway, That's right. not a question we Eventually ask. Eventually, it'll happen. In the North. Eventually, it'll play. happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I no, mean, I, well, I, I just, I, like I said, I come from fishing the bass boat world. I come from fishing the John boats. I've always stood up. You know what I mean? And then when I got in the, when I got into the kayak, uh, when I first got into it, I was in nuclear pursuit, and I thought mm-hmm. that thing was ultra stable, and it is. It's a very stable boat. I stood up in that thing all the time. People were like, you're nuts, dude. You should not be standing up when the gas boats are just blowing by and you're taking waves over the bow and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and then I got into my new canoe unlimited and it's like, you can, you can have dance offs with people oh, yeah. and going by, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I just, I've always enjoyed standing. I think I have a better view of the playing field. I can see fish better. Um, I can cast better. I can cast more accurately. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always standing. I've never gone in either, man. But since I got that motor guide and I'm on that horizontal <laughs> stand-up level, dude, I've almost gone in <laughs> this year where I've wound up hanging on to that motor trying to like you I, I have done that. I have done that. I have been thrown out of the kayak, but caught the motor guide on the way out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> saved me from going in the water. And that was on the Susquehanna River uh, oh, a couple shit. of years ago. It was dark out. We were launching. I was super excited because I was catching like 95 to 96 inches every day in practice. Um Boy, as soon as that thing, whatever time it was, I seen that thing hit the phone. I put the phone in my pocket and I just hit the go button and I cranked that thing up and I was heading down river in the dark <laughs> with the motor guide on full. Just on a river. On, on the river. Susquehanna River. I was ripping down current. I'm like, man, I'm going to get to my spot, get set up, hit the hit the pinpoint GPS. I'll be ready to cast you know, some, the, the, you know, the numbers switches over. And right as I'm thinking, like, dude, why are you going so fast in the dark? Boom! I hit a rock <laughs> right dead center of the trolling motor. And it sent me straight forward because I was probably going six, six and a half miles an hour. I mean, I was going down current, and it was mm-hmm. ripping, and I was on full throttle. Um, and it, like, luckily, I was facing forward, and if the screen is, is the motor guide, I landed on top of it, holding it. <laughs> I, I literally smashed my knees against the the Pursuit has a, a like a, a junk tray, a junk drawer. I smashed my knees against that. Both of them were black and blue. Um, <laughs> and I was showing Conan, you know, after we got back to the launch, and he's like, what were you thinking, dude? I'm like, dude, I'm just so excited <laughs> to go down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I, I put this new 24 volt on my unlimited, um, if you have that thing on full throttle and you shut it off and you've got it turned to the side or something and you hit the button and it turns on, that thing is all balls all the time and it's all you can do to stay in it. Um, <laughs> I've almost thrown myself out a few times, but I've never gone in. Matt was with me on the Charles. I think we were pre-fishing for the KFL event. 
Yep. Dude, yep. I knew that spot on the Charles, like the back of my hand, but that water's lower than we ever seen it. Me and Matt were full motor, headed down river, standing up, and I remember turning to Matt to say something, <laughs> and that motherfucker just came to a dead stop. <laughs> Same thing, dude. I just grabbed the trolling motor and like kind of like I remember going down, looking at the water, and coming back. And then going to stand up, Matt's dying laughing. He kills his motor to make sure I'm all right. I go to step back again, and my flip-flop catches the fish finder. Because I have it right there in the middle. Oh, dude, I ate shit going backwards. Took the metal bar of the seat to, like, the middle of the back. I'm rolling around in the kayak. like That's hilarious. But I never went over. (laughs) Hey, Nate, you are the slowest talking fucking Yankee I've ever heard in my entire life. I am, man. I am. I've done this way since I was a kid, too. You, you well, can't I, even blame it on anything. I, I know. If you just drawed your vowels out a little bit more, nobody would ever know you were you were from Massachusetts. No, and it's, it's actually messed up, dude, because, like, back when I used to drink, I'd go into, like, bars up here and people would just start talking to you and they'd be like so where are you from you on vacation like nah, i live up the road really you got an accent are you always from here <laughs> yeah no i'm from here <laughs> but hey the other day we was talking on the phone your boston yeah. accent came the fuck out on the phone the other day i hadn't heard it <laughs> like that <laughs> i had never heard it like that i mean it was uh i can't do i can't do a boston accent because my shit don't because <laughs> I don't know how to talk without my tongue touching, you know, my lips and shit, but you came out of it there. Hey, speaking of traveling, what, what, go ahead, Nate. What you, I don't know what you said to me, but my Boston accent only really comes out when I'm angry. So I'm wondering <laughs> what you said to me that I would have had a Boston accent. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, speaking of that, we got to get this story because I'm going to forget if we don't tell it right now, which means I'm going to forget the question I was just going to ask. But it's okay. It's Bass and Brew, so you know, you know, we we live sure. we live this podcast off of chaos. So so, Derek, we told this this story in before we started about me and my buddy down here, Justin Faircloth, fished the KBBT last summer, and we drew first round you and Conan. And I had just got on with the Hookset Hoodlums team, and then, and I was in the team chat. And Nate was in the team chat. And so I come on like, hey, man, you know, this and that. We got Conan. And I knew who I, I knew who y'all were. We did. And I think y'all just won it the previous year in 19. Yep. So, yep. you know, we, we knew what we were going against. I and I say that. that year as well. They did. They did. They didn't. <laughs> they the cloth and then put a whooping on everybody's ass. Justin Faircloth beat everybody every damn tournament. He was on them with some guns, but he was fishing like Brundle. Anyway, the um, I go in this chat. I say we're fishing. You know, we got Brundle and this and that. And Nate goes, "Oh, you're fucked." Was <laughs> <laughs> his words? You're start, fucked. This story also starts with back when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. So I believe that was a late night text, and I was like, <laughs> "It at was." Home. And I think I had, like, just finished fishing with you and Matt at Snip. And uh, 
I get home and I remember but reading. me and Nate, me and Nate didn't even know each other either. No. Like I didn't no. know anybody. <laughs> Nate just <laughs> some new dude. And he yeah. was like, uh, I was like, oh, you guys are fucked. And he's like, dude, anybody's got a chance on any given day. And I was like, yeah. listen, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. These two are probably two of the best individual anglers in the kayak scene, and you put them on a team together, it's not going to go well. And he's like, <laughs> oh, you don't understand. And I'm like, true to God's story, I, I tell this story more often than not. Everybody knows Derek, you know, he kills mm-hmm. it. Matt, we fished a KBF weekend tournament, and, man, I went out all three days put up 90 in change. I can't remember, but I was up there, right? Been talking to Matt all weekend. Matt couldn't fish. Finally, with like, God, I think six hours left in the day, Matt's like, I got three hours to go fish. Matt goes out and puts up like a hundred and quarter and three hours up here in Massachusetts. So you give yep. him and Derek the opportunity to go fish wherever they want. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to lose. And, well, I mean, it got so bad, Bill wound up texting me personally <laughs> and was like, dude, Bill, it easy out, man. <laughs> Yeah, like, he's but new see, to the team. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't know me either. So, you know, I, I don't I, – I do not like to fun fish. Like, well, I just go out and fish, yes, but there's a reason. I'm, I'm sure. trying I'm, – I'm, it's, it's all tournament. I'm trying a new lure. I'm trying a new yep. area, you know, something, right? Like, I I got into kayak fishing because I wanted to compete. And that's, like, I want to fish in tournaments. That's all I want to yep. do. And my mindset is I don't enter a tournament with the thought that, oh, yeah, I'm just going to fish. No, bitch, I'm going to win that. Matter of fact, we have our North Carolina State Bass Championship tomorrow. I, I missed the damn captain's meeting today because we're recording this, but we got this tomorrow <laughs> on a lake that I've never been to. But I don't care. My, like, I, I'm going to win. I'm going to fish to win. And so, you know, I I don't talk a lot of shit, but it's funny. This all happened, and all of a sudden I get, like, <laughs> Bill's, like, chastising Nate and shit. But what's funny about that that tournament, though, is we had a we had a local tournament that Saturday on Justin's home lake, and he had been on mm-hmm. some fish. And we caught I caught I caught one fish. It was a good one, and he he ended up catching. He didn't have a great day. Matter of fact, he finished second with like ninety inches, and the first place guy had one hundred and two something. I don't know, it's crazy. But this fish has big. This lake had big fish. But Sunday we were fishing my home lake, which was Sharon Harris, and I had been on some damn good fish. And I knew where those bastards were. I knew what we were gonna do. The weather set up perfect. But we started this, and Justin loses a twenty-something inch fish, a, a over twenty-inch fish. And then, in the, like the last thirty minutes, I think one of you. Brundle or Conant, one of them ended up catching the fish in like the last 30 minutes because I think it, I don't know who it was, but y'all were, Brenda, you were texting or talking to Justin. Yeah, called it, that ended up beating us. Every Northeast angler's life here is Matt Brundle or Conant caught one in the last half hour. It was crazy, but it was a good time. But back back to uh, my a question that I knew I was going to forget, what I just fucking forgot. 
what the something hell about travel. There's something about travel is what you started oh, in. Oh, yes. See, see, this is, damn, this is why I bring really good guests on this podcast because they, That's why I drink they, water. They keep, <laughs> they keep it going. Look, I ain't even drunk. I ain't had enough to even be drunk yet. I'm only one and a half white claw surges in. I usually drink four or five oh, on this dang, the white claws. Surge. Eight, it's got eight alcohols in it, Derek. I only got like you know I don't have to drink a case of white claws anymore and be all bloated and full. I can drink six of these and be right. You seem like a box mm -hmm. wine type of person, Paul. I do not discriminate against alcohol. I will drink any and any any type of alcohol that's there. If it's free or if it's all they got, I'm gonna I'm gonna drink it. I mean, you know, I'm gonna deal with the repercussions later. That's also why I'm fat as hell. Y'all's travel. So you and Conan travel a lot together. And this is, yeah. uh, I don't remember, you you talked about it on a podcast I listened to or one of your videos, but you talked about when y'all fish together. And if y'all want to fish at different places, that sometimes one of y'all asses is getting dropped off at like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning sure. with yeah. your kayak at the launch. And you just have to sit there for the next like three or four hours waiting on launch. Like, yeah. how do y'all how do y'all work that shit out? Because that's a dynamic in in kite fishing specifically that you really don't have to worry about in boat fishing. But when you travel together and, and there's two people in a vehicle with the with the you know with your kayaks, how do y'all yep. how do y'all figure that shit out? Or is it just y'all y'all good buddies? Okay. You understand? Like whoever, that's weird. Man. Whoever's car you didn't take is the one that is <laughs> dropped off. Yeah, no. <laughs> Conan and I, Conan and I, kind of run it differently. To be honest with you, um, we both go into it as the understanding that hey, we're gonna we're gonna take one vehicle, save save money, split the cost. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes some dude's gonna get dropped off in the middle of fucking nowhere uh, <laughs> at two in the morning, so the other dude can get so the other dude can get to his spot by launch time, um, mm. and. Here, well, here's an example of it. National Championship. We were fishing basically opposite ends of Gunnersville. Conant dropped me off at, I want to say it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And he had an hour and 40-minute ride to go get to his spot so he could launch and get in the water by time, you know, launch time or whatever. So 2 in the morning, Conant drops me off. And of course, there ain't no, there ain't no other stupid idiot there. Um, and it, and it, I was only down, you and the crackheads. Oh my god! Right. Well, there weren't nobody. It was me and the animals. Um, because I was down some road that wasn't anywhere near anything. I mean, there was no lights down there. There was nothing. It was black, pitch ass black. So. Conan says, well, you want to drop me off or you want me to drive? I said, man, I don't want to drive all the way up there, drop you off, and then drive all the way back. So just drop me off on your way and then, you know, go to your spot and pick me up when you come back or whatever. Because I don't care. Whatever. I'll take a nap. I'm just laying my kayak on the side of the beach there and take a nap or whatever. So I did. I took my kayak and I got everything in it. And, you know, we'd take about um, 45 minutes, an hour. We're searching around with both the lights going, making sure I got everything I need because once he goes, that's it. He's gone. He ain't coming back. You he know gone. what I mean? Yeah, he's gone. And I, and literally, when I tell you there's no lights, I couldn't even see any lights anywhere. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing. 
So he drops me off, and we're talking on the phone or whatever. And I'm like, bro, you know what? I think I'm gonna crash out for an hour or so. You know what I mean? Whatever, get a, get an hour of sleep. So I get all my stuff off the ramp. I pull my kayak around. I pull it up, and there's just kind of a like a a branch hanging over there. So I pull my kayak up under there, and I kick my feet up and put my you know put myself back. I pull my hat down over my head like that. And I'm sitting there, and I hear off in the distance a rumbling. What the hell is that? Sounds like a car. And then I see headlights way in the distance. I'm like, damn it, I thought I should be alone here, you know what I mean? So this dude comes pulling down in there, and it's by that time, I think it was about 3.30 in the morning. It was still pitch black. And dude hops out, and there ain't nobody in the parking lot, of course, right? There ain't nobody around. There's nothing. And I could see, like, the bounce in his step. He had the spot to himself. He's all happy and shit. He's out there. He's unloading. He's got these big lights on the back of the truck, and he's pulling his shit out. He's putting it together, and he backs halfway down the ramp about to pull his kayak out. And I'm over on the side, complete dark. And, I mean, we're literally a mile probably from any lights or whatever. <laughs> and he goes to pull it out, and I realize it's Adam Patron, right? So he goes, he goes to pull his kayak out. I go, what up, bro? Real loud, right? He, I swear he lost a pair of underwear that day. He might not admit it, but I swear them drawers had colors on them after that. He about came out of his skin, and I laughed so hard. <laughs> and I've done that to multiple people. Funny story about Patron. The first time I ever met him in person was uh, down in Florida. And same situation. Me and Ken had different ramps. Ken was dropping me off at the crack ass of dawn. Now, for those of you that weren't there, us northerners decided to go to Florida in January. And it was fucking 28 degrees in Florida. It's a different so, 28 degrees, too. Dude, none of us are packed for this. It's like mm-hmm. fucking 3 in the morning. I'm at the boat ramp freezing and pulls <laughs> this car. And I'm like, all right, dude, like, at least there's somebody else here. He gets out and he goes, hey, man, how you doing? And I immediately recognize the voice. And I'm like, hey, man, are you Adam Patron? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm... Friends with Derek Brundle and the rest of the Maulers. How you doing? He's like, oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about you. I'm like, cool, man. You care if I wait with you in your car? Because it is freezing. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. Look, yeah, look good the, dude. Uh, I, so the cold down here is a different cold. I never knew this until same same year as a wildland firefighter, my first year, 2007, we have a buddy, his name's Derek, comes down from Minnesota. And he gets down there, and it's it's late January. We're in South Carolina. And it's it's like 40, 45 degrees. So it's, it's chilly. But he's got his hood on. He's a big boy, too. He's got his hood on. We're in the bunkhouse. And so he's over there, and he's like this on the on the couch. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, man, I'm just, I'm just so cold. It's like, it's like my bones are cold. In his Minnesota accent, and I didn't realize that there's a difference in in the temperature up there than down here. Twenty eight degrees in Florida is a cold that will make your. I mean, dude, it'll make your pecker go up into your damn. I mean, up into your stomach. My favorite part about it 
and I know Derek, you probably get this shit all the time too when we go down south in the early like months. Is especially in Florida, dude. Like I'm sitting there shivering. I'm 135 pounds. So there ain't fucking <laughs> And none of us were prepared for that. I mean, we were trying to buy ugly ass sweatpants at Walmart <laughs> just to keep warm. Like I had sweatpants on over pajamas. It was terrible. And I got guys sitting there, ain't you from up north? Shouldn't you be used to this? I'm like, dude, just because it's cold up there doesn't mean we don't get cold. <laughs> Well, yeah, I get those I, so, comments a lot. It was always like, yeah. well, I left all them clothes at home because it ain't supposed to be <laughs> like that down here. Yeah, yeah I know. Mention, just because it gets there doesn't mean like, oh, you're used to it. It's still cold. We only have that for like three months out of the year. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, when I fish, it doesn't matter in the wintertime. It doesn't matter. 365 days a year, if I'm out on the water, I got Crocs on. Crocs, no socks. And I wear, I wear a, I wear three, three layers. I wear a tight shirt, some kind of long, tight, you know, Under Armour type shirt. And then I wear a hooded fishing shirt. And then I got this, this down, the small down vest that I wear. And then I wear transition pants and Crocs, no socks. I've been fishing out in 18 degree weather, 20 degree weather. We're launching, you know, ice, ice on shit down here. It happens, believe it or not. And that's what I have on. That's what I'm comfortable with. It's cold as fuck until the sun gets up. And then, you know, before the end of the day, I don't zip my sure. transition pants off and I'm in my, my, my fishing shirt doing that. But that's a, it's, it's a different kind of cold down here when it gets like that, man. It's just, I don't know the humidity. I don't know because y'all got humidity and shit up there. It's just, it's just different. But you also yeah. don't expect it when you bring when you come down here on that. Hey, <laughs> yeah, no hey, we're, we're 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 running. I want to talk about. Let's talk about your West Coast trip you did. Uh, it's it's been about six weeks ago, I think now, right? Talk about sure, the yeah, West no, Coast no, trip because you got to do some fishing and and some stuff I out did. there. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Uh, I I mentioned it earlier. My wife had two strokes earlier this year, and in August we got the. Um, the all clear for her to fly um so we've got a grandson and a daughter that live out there my son-in-law um we've been dying to get out there and go see them he just you know yeah he's just had turned one in april and then you know um so we couldn't go we couldn't go to that and uh, we wanted to go see them so i had talked to my buddy shane <clears throat> shane lamont out there you guys probably yeah, know him best on thumbs, best thumbs best thumbs fishing, fishing. Um, so Shane and I are good buddies. Um, and, uh, every time I go out to California, I try and hook up with him. We go fishing somewhere. Um, so I said to him, I says, Hey man, we're coming out in August. Do you want to go fish Clear Lake with me? You know what I mean? He's like, Oh, hell yeah, dude. He's like, I wasn't gonna be able to go. He's like, cause I didn't have anybody that would make the trek like overnight, no pre-fishing, anything like that. Um, because it's like nine hours from my daughter's house. She lives in Oceanside and Clear Lake is way the hell up at Clear Lake. Um, y'all fish so tournament? Shane and I. Didn't you fish the KBF tournament? Uh, well, no. Yeah, we fished oh. the KBF tournament. Uh, it was at Clear Lake. KBF, the Pro Series, day one, and then KBF Trail 1 and KBF Trail 2. Plus, we were also fishing in the uh, Chris Laird Memorial Tournament for Yakabass. Uh, mm -hmm. One of their California trails out there. Um, plus, 
I wasn't involved in it, but Friday and Saturday was the West Coast Kayak Championships. Um, So there was a ton of stuff going on. Plus, there was another um, Lakeport Bait and Tackle had their own tournament going amongst all those tournaments. It was a crazy weekend up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, as we're going out there, I'm watching the weather forecast, and it's like, you know, unbelievable droughts coming up. Um, record heat setting, you know, record setting week of heat, all in the hundreds, you know what I mean? So I'm talking to buddies that live up there. I'm talking to guys that used to live out there. I'm talking to all these people, and the lake is low, you know what I mean? But whatever, Shane's like, hey, let's do it, dude. Let's roll up there. We'll leave, you know, Friday after I get out of work or whatever, and then we'll roll up there, and we'll go fish it and come back. <clears throat> which is great for me because I'm like, hell yeah, I get to see all, all my buddies from the West Coast or whatever. They'll all be up there. Plus, there's some other dudes that I know that are coming from, you know, Bryce Gibbs from Arizona and some other dudes that are going to be out there. And um, so we take off after work. And, um, we ended up – I had to stop at Romel Labrador's house, borrow a kayak from him. We got there at midnight, and then he's like three hours from Clearly. So we blasted out from his house immediately. Got to Shane's friends, had an Airbnb on the lake. We got there, woke their asses up, made them make us coffee. <clears throat> we had coffee, and then we went straight to the boat launch. So um, it was crazy. We got there, and the lake was like, I don't know, like eight feet low. It was nuts. Um, Damn. And it was 104 degrees. Yeah, it was like 104 <laughs> degrees. Um it was not pleasant, um, but uh, yeah. So I ended up blanking on the first day amongst I think seventy six or seventy eight people didn't catch a fish on the first day. There was a hundred and hundred and something dudes, you know, in the two combined tournaments or whatever. <clears throat> Actually, I think the Chris Laird Memorial Tournament was like one hundred and eighteen guys or something like that. So seventy something of us didn't even catch a fish the first day. Um, which Damn. was crazy. I mean, Clear Lake, that's all you ever hear is like, you're going to go to Clear Lake, you're going to catch these 10 pounders and there's fish everywhere and it's every cast with a frog or you're punching everything. And it's just, and I went at it hard the first day on the very first cast. <clears throat> I, there was lines in at six, I think. At six o'clock, I cast a frog out there, twitch, twitch, twitch. And it, it looked like somebody drove dropped a Volkswagen bug in the water. This huge blow up. It was insane. And it missed the frog by like a foot. I mean, it didn't even come close to eating it, but it, it tried to. Uh, and that was the only bite I had all day long on the first day was that one blow up that I didn't even get to set the hook on. Um, and I, you know, I was like, I, a couple of my buddies called me and they're like, Hey, you know, I'm catching them on this over here. You should come down here. Like, I, just, I feel like I can win it where I am. Like, I, I I feel like I'm in the spot that could win it, you know. And uh, I ran into Greg Blanchett a couple times, and <clears throat> he was doing the same thing I was. So I'm like, I know I'm on the right trail. I mean, Greg Blanchett wins there a lot. Greg Blanchett's thousands of his videos are from mm. Clear Lake. Here I am, coming from the East Coast, and I end up fishing, you know, 40 feet from this dude. You know what I mean? So I know I picked the right area. Um, and we actually spoke in the parking lot afterwards and he said, and I said, dude, I said, well, what happened? Cause I think, <clears throat> I don't know if he even caught it. I think he caught one 15 inch fish the first day. And I'm like, 
that doesn't make me, you know, feel better, but it doesn't make me feel as bad as what I thought I was doing, you know? Right. Um, but we talked in the parking lot and I said, man, Greg, I'll tell you, dude, I, I think I was in the spot that would have won it. You know what I mean? I said, inside of where you were, I was punching all those mats. It just seemed right. Like it seemed like this is where they should be. And he's like, I'll tell you what, he's like nine times out of 10, you were probably came either winning it there or been in the top five for sure. Um, so I'm like, he's like, dude, it's just, it's just the worst I've ever seen it here. I've never, ever gone like this and not caught fish, you know? Um, so crazy. the second day, oh, it was crazy, man. The second day, <clears throat> we got a, we got some sleep at night, finally. Uh, but we did go have a few beers after that. So it was kind of sleep, more passed out kind of deal. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so... Um, got up in the morning and we went over to, uh, that first day we launched at, uh, Clear Lake State Park. I mean, it's famous. You launch at a Clear Lake State Park. If you want to go frog and you want to go punch and that's the place. Um, the second day we said, you know what, let's, let's roll over to Rattlesnake Island area. We'll go fish over there. It's a different vibe. It's more, um, rocks and kind of offshore stuff and, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. So, um, we launched over there the second day. And um, then I realized once we got there and we saw the people unloading that the leaders for all the tournaments were all launching. They came and Rasmussen was there. Uh, he won most of it. I think came and won almost $19,000 that weekend um, between the West Coast Championship and the KBF stuff and the Chris Laird Memorial Tournament. Um, so, yeah, congratulations. to came and killed it. Come up. Come up. For people that didn't hear that, we're going to repeat it. The man won about nineteen thousand dollars out of fucking yeah. kayaks. If you want to talk shit about kayaks, there you go, nineteen thousand. You know how much he spent? Yeah, he won. Probably, I think, probably yeah, about right? hundred dollars. Yeah, he. Um, I think he won thirty five hundred dollars with one of the fish. That's that. Yeah, that, that, that right. yeah he got. I think. I think he won. Uh, like. It's like fifteen five or something between the tournament winnings and you know like two or three tournaments that he had won all going on at the same time, and then that one big fish that he caught was like a thirty five hundred dollar fish or something. So it was like really close to nineteen grand. That's yeah, crazy. Um, <clears throat> which was awesome. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we we launched our rattlesnake island, and I seen all those dudes down there. I ended up catching two fish on the second day, so it made me feel like. Yeah, well, I was awesome, but they were only 15-inch fish, so um, I wasn't that <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but, hey, I'll tell you what. Like, the, awesome the scenery, the scenery, like, that place is amazing. It's beautiful out there. Yeah. I mean, we were pulling into yeah. Clear Lake State Park the first morning, and I see, oh, hey, there's, there's, a, there's a deer, and it's a mule deer, and it lifts its head up, and it's got this monster rack on it, right? Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, right. Um, the mountains, you know what I mean? Hanging out with the boys you don't ever get to see. Um, it was a great trip, man. Uh, and then, you know, between the week leading up to that and a few days after that, I get to hang out with my daughter, my grandson, my, my son-in-law, um, and just get some great family time because we don't get to see them a lot. Um, so that was awesome, dude. Like that whole trip was, even though the fishing was, well, I mean, it was, it was fucking terrible <laughs> for me, anyways. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it was just you know, it was an altogether. Fuck that mule deer. He's like, fuck that mule deer. Fuck them mountains. Fuck this scenery. <laughs> the fishing sucked. 
It only got yeah, better when I got to spend time with my family. Fuck yeah. Clear Lake. That place sucks. Yep. I'll be back for redemption. Um, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. I will return next year for wins. that tournament again. Um, but yeah, like I said, we were facing like record low people yeah. had never seen the lake that low before. I mean, I was fishing on the record second day. Up. I was fishing a boat dock and the guy was standing on his boat dock and I was standing oh, yeah. up in my kayak and his boat dock was up here around the top <laughs> of my head. And he, he was drinking his coffee, had this beautiful boat on a boat lift. And I said, Hey man, that's a really nice boat. He's like, yeah, hell, I'd really like to use it, but my boat lift doesn't go low enough to get it down to where you are. <laughs> So that dude has spent all year with his boat on the boat lift on his dock, drinking coffee on his dock. That <laughs> sucks. Oh, my God. So, that's crazy. But, I mean, the fish are there. I mean, Cayman proved it. Cody Henley proved it. Um, hmm. Some of the old, other, you know, the local hammers, you know, we talked about earlier, the local hammers up there that you don't hmm. hear about on the national scene because they never leave California. Um that's a whole different animal in itself out there. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but they have a whole pro kayak tour out there already. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of those dudes, they compete hardcore. But why would you ever leave California with, like, lakes like Otai and San Vicente and Hodges and Clear mm -hmm. Lake and the Delta, the California Delta? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Barriessa. that place is crazy. Barriessa, all those places. I mean, it just mm -hmm. it's nuts out there. Um but I mean, some of the distances, some of the distances they're, they're traveling to those lakes, nine ten are, hours. Yeah, yeah, they're the distance that a majority of the southern anglers, and and by south, you know, I encompass the southeast and then Texas sure. and Louisiana. All that, like the the for them to go to some of their local tournaments is the same distance that a lot of us would travel to what we would consider a national tournament. Absolutely, 10, 12 hours. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's one yep, thing I no like doubt. about our local trail is like you know, we meet people like m me meeting Derek, and then you realize you know Massachusetts such small state that oh dude we only live like a half hour away we can fun fish on weekends we don't have tournaments and stuff a lot of states like you guys can't do that with a lot of dudes in your trail because you guys are so spread out all over the place. Well, see, see, not really down here where we are. I've got two local trails where I am in, in this area, CCKF and CKA. And so we're, we, the majority of us fish both of those. And then we got Queen city, which is one of the largest grassroots trails yep. in the country. They're in Charlotte. Yeah. So they're about two and a half hours or so away. And most of their lakes are within an hour and a half to two and a half hours of where I am. So we do have some people that fish theirs and there's some of their folks fish ours. But we're just starting to kind of merge. The, you know, we got the state championship coming up and then Queen City has a tournament here at Falls in Jordan coming up in October. So there's a little bit of meshing going on, but but that's for us. For example, for me to drive to some of the lakes that the mm -hmm. one the I say it's local. We got one in Raleigh, and then the other one's kind of based in in Greensboro, which is about an hour to an hour and a half. So some of those lakes that they fish are an hour and a half away. That's a long drive for me. Yep. And and you know we're lucky where we are in North Carolina. We have a ton, kind of like y'all, 
except our lakes are our lakes are bigger. But we have a ton of bodies of water that are really close by that you can have 50, 60, 70 anglers on in a kayak tournament. And it, you know, and you can still fish it. So we're not spread out. That's the thing about the South, dude. There's a there's a damn decent body of water within an hour's drive of anybody in South Carolina, North Carolina, I know, because I I lived in both of those states. Sure. Grew up in them. Yep. They're there. But but again, now we're talking about California and we're hearing all these lakes that they go to. It might yeah. be eight or nine hour drive. That ain't local. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Definitely not. No nine hour drive is local. For us, that's like going to what? Ohio. I think that was I, nine I hours. Can, yeah. I consider four hours or less local for me. Just because yeah, I see. drive so much, you know what I mean? Yeah. My, if it's further than like the Adirondacks north mm-hmm. and anything like more south than New York, Jersey line. Yeah. That's no longer. Yeah, I'll be in Canada in four hours, you know what I mean? And oh, holy yeah. shit. It's yeah. like anything below the Canadian border, you know? So, so Derek. Technology, obviously, technology is a huge uh, piece of fishing in general right now. And this year, especially, we go from seeing a few folks with four facing sonar Mm -hmm. to half the people in your local club that have never fished or only fished maybe one or two national tournaments have it. What kind of technology are you running on your boats and how do you how do you use it? So I run um, Lowrance Active Target. I run two Lowrance units on my kayak. I run two FS9 Elites. Um, One of them is dedicated just to forward-facing sonar. Uh, And the other one runs my mapping and my down scan and side scan and all that. Um, I'll be honest, I love it, man. I I love seeing technology moving forward. I love, Mm -hmm. you know, that people are still pushing the envelope. I, I'm pretty thorough with it. I can fish pretty well with it. Um, but I'll be honest with you. A, a lot of times the biggest advantage I think to forward facing sonar is your ability to find structure that you've never found before. No matter how many times you've been to lakes, no matter how many times you've been there, that forward facing sonar will help you discover the little tiny things that you've overlooked. Um, this, this year in particular, I found a tree in a cove that I fish in all the time down on the Cape. Um, there is a 20-foot tall tree in the middle of this cove that I've never seen before. Yeah. And I've been all through that thing. And one day I was down there with my forward-facing sonar just chasing around some smallmouth. I said, shit, what the hell was that? And I looked back and I scanned back over there and then, woof, this whole tree comes up. And it's just huh. loaded with fish swimming in and out of it. I said, what the fuck? Where did this thing come from? And I drove <laughs> over there, and I literally been, I've been fishing that lake for years. And I drove over there, and it was happened to be flat glass calm that day. And I looked down about five, six feet, and I could see just the very tip of the branches down there, you know, sticking up. But I had never realized the size of that tree or even seen that tree. And I run side scan through all that, you know what I mean? But if you're looking away for a second, you miss it. You know what I mean? If you're doing something. um, And that has now 
you know, I told a few people about it and they went over to their live target or their, you know, pan optics and like, holy shit, look at this tree, you know what I mean? Like, dude, it's not like it just grew there, you know, yeah, it's been yeah. there for probably a hundred years. Um, but I think that's probably the coolest thing about the new technology is your ability to find structure quicker. You see it more detailed. You see how the fish are relating to it. Um, and then there's the whole elephant in the room. Does it make you a better fisherman? I suppose it does in some ways. Um, it makes you waste a shitload of time. Um, <laughs> but one thing that it, well, I can admit is that you can find out if you have the right bait on very quickly mm -hmm. before facing sonar. You see that fish out there, you throw it out there, that thing turns around and swims away just as fast as it possibly can. You need to tie on something else. Or go somewhere else. Or go somewhere else. Um, has it saved has it saved my ass before? Absolutely. Um, I've run into situations where I've been offshore and 60 feet of water and found schools of smallmouth that are swimming 20 feet down and then caught almost every one of them that I've seen. And then I've been out there and found the same thing and wasted five hours and never caught a fish. <laughs> yeah. They, I, I don't have it. I have a buddy with a boat that's, that has it. I've been on his boat quite a few times and, and been on a trolling motor and used it. And I, for me, it's the fish behavior. Yeah. You know, seeing sure. how, seeing how those fish are reacting um, and, and, Again, I'm just using it, but like, all right, are these these fish aren't biting? And you spend an hour there. Yep. The next time you go to not the same place, but anywhere, and you get there and the fish react in the same way, you're going to spend 30 minutes. Yep, I think exactly. it, I think the folks that learn it make it a lot more efficient. But for folks that think it's the magic pill to catching every bass you see. No. no, what what I realized, the first thing I realized is there's a lot more fucking fish down there than you Dude. ever would have thought. Now, it's are nuts. they bass? It's nuts. Are they, are they, you know, you don't know exactly what they are. Now, once you right. get, like, the pros, some of the pros can look at a fish and they go, that's a bass, that's a catfish. You know, they can, you, yep. you get enough time, you can determine it. But the amount of fish in an area, <laughs> you, it, I mean... It's, it's, it, it blows your mind. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And the amount of fish that roll up to you, that come out of nowhere, 100 miles an hour, and stop right at your lure and just yep. follow it all the way back to the boat. And and then they're like, go. It's crazy. It's, it's so amazing. To me, fish behavior is the is the most unknown thing about fishing that we have as anglers. Yep. It's fish behavior yep. because we, we can't see everything. We, it's not like a deer. When we go deer hunting, right. we can really start to dial in how they move, where they move, what they're doing. We can get in that perfect spot. Well, with fishing, that perfect spot might be here today at 2 o'clock on Saturday. And then yep. the next two months, you couldn't catch a fish there to save your life. It really does get us into that, that fish behavior side of it where we start to see a lot more of that. Because fish behavior is... In my opinion, the majority of fish behavior, when you're talking to anglers, 99% of it is anecdotal. Yep. 
It's all, it's all this, this happened this day. This is what I caught. This is what I saw. This is what I felt. But there's, there's no facts behind it. It's so fishing is so anecdotal right now. This four faces sonar is getting us to the point. We can really start to dial in and figure that shit out, figure out fish behavior. I'll, I enjoyed that part of it. I think it's a bunch of questions we've all always had as an angler. You know, where are those big ones when you don't see them hold up? Where do they go in these small bodies of water that we fish? Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. And then when you... When you do run across a school of stupid ones and you have that four faces <laughs> and you can just follow them around and literally catch every one of them in that school, then it makes it all worth it. Yeah. But you need to find the stupid ones because there's a lot of smart ones down there. I remember the first time I went uh, striper fishing with you and you had it plugged in you were like come here come come tie up look at this and you turn that thing and dude it lit up like christmas and i was oh, just yeah. like oh my god yeah when you're skiing around and you see hundreds literally hundreds of striped bass around you in six feet of water and they're up oh to god. you know 25 pounds it's pretty Damn impressive it, with that you know you scan around with that thing and it's just this big you see the whole fish silhouette, you know what I mean? And you can say, oh, Jesus, that's a that's a 20-pounder cast of that thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Do you, think, do, you think in, do you think in next year, let's just take next year, Francis, because there's probably going to be twice, two to four times. I'm just throwing fucking numbers out my ass right now. Two to four times more anglers on a national tournament scene that have it versus that had it this this year, this past year in 2022. Absolutely. Do you, do you think more tournaments are going to be won on the kayak side with, with some kind of forward-facing sonar um, or more going to be won like fishing Drew Gregory style? I, I, I would hope Drew Gregory style, but I have a feeling that you're going to see a lot more wins with forward facing sonar because of the simple fact is like you say <clears throat> the dudes that are winning whether they're using it this year or not that are winning dudes are going to see it on their kayak and say okay he has it i need it to beat him at his own game and like you said the numbers double from people look at it two years ago when hardly anybody had it yeah. one or two dudes had forward facing sonar. that's yeah. what i'm saying and then they won tournaments and I've talked to some of them. They weren't even using it at that time or at that lake. Um, and then they say, Oh, that dude caught him with forward facing sonar. Now I'm going to get it. And it happened that way. I mean, whether we like it or not, it's human nature. You see somebody successful. Sometimes you want to have the same equipment or you want the same opportunity. So you buy the same equipment. Um, and it is what it is. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but, I think that you'll see it, the number of guys without it now cut in half to number of guys that have it next year double. Yeah. What, what was the category? You were one of the first people up here that was running forward facing. And I think, I think we I think saw. Conan, I think Conan is really the one that sold me on it. He, he bought it. Um, and 
we were somewhere and he's sent me this video of this bait ball of shad swimming across in front of his kayak on the active target. And I literally picked my phone up and I started looking at it and I bought it. I mean, it was impressive. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I, I would say what, what's capable. So we're talking you and Matt were say two of the first five guys running forward facing up here in mass. Yeah, dude, 90% of the people watching you and Matt tear it up in a year were like, well, I might as well buy the fish finder. It's not going to hurt, you know? The funniest, the, yeah, the funniest part about that, though, is that both of us kind of feel the same way. Like, we don't, like, glue ourselves to it either, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I use it. I use it to find structure a lot. Um and, and here's one of the reasons why it says that thing is crazy loud under the water. Um, Patron, if you yeah, ask Anna Patron, they, uh, they all were at one of the houses, I think a Dakota lithium house, and they had threw a kayak in the pool and everybody jumped in the pool and they turned on the forward facing sonar and they could hear it in the pool loud as hell. So that kind of like opened my eyes to like, because when you pull up with forward-facing sonar and you run into a school of fish, sometimes those fish swim away just as fast as they possibly can. Because I think they know that that tick, 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 tick is, is dangerous to them and they take off. Some of the fish are stupid. They're like us, you know what I mean? And they just hang out like, what's up, dude? You know what I mean? And then, oh, shit, here comes a sicko. I'm going to eat that. You know what I mean? And then game uh, over. Well, it's, it's survival. He, us as humans, our survival instincts – so there we are the most advanced minded life form on this planet yet our survival instincts are the absolute worst compared to any other living organism and bass are survivalists they have been on this planet a lot longer than we have for sure and like it's it's you we we have seen it through lures how uh, the Alabama rig and all these, any lure, you know, their, their survival instincts kick in. And there was a study, I think it was done in Illinois, Indiana, where they took these fish and it was done over a couple of years. You can find it. I breastfed it on here before they took fish and they had ponds where they, they caught fish and took fish out, caught fish and released them. The fish were spawning the offspring of the fish that were taken out and, and eating or whatever, right? So cool, you keeping your five and taking them home and eating. The fish that were taken out, the offspring of those fish were less likely to bite than the fish that were caught and released. So there's yep. there's some inherent, you know, there there's learning right. in there. It's survival yep. learning. Um, it goes into that. So we're going to see it with four facing. I, I love the technology. It does give us a whole nother perspective. And yes, could you do you catch extra fish or two? Of course, because you're yep. you're fishing where fish are, not where they ain't. Because you know right. for certain, uh, it's easier to read than than your side scan if you don't know how to look at that stuff. I like the technology. I like where it's going, but I also think that it's time of year where that forward facing is going to play a knot, and you're going to have some people on that forward facing sonar, you know, in the in 
in the spawn or pre-spawn that aren't that just aren't catching the fish because they're dialed in on that. And those folks yep. up in the bank or sight fishing are catching the fish. To me, in my perspective, for any type of fishing, it's going to come down to that time of year. Now, you get into summer. Um, I don't know shit about the northern lakes up there, from except from what I watch or listen to people talk about. But down here in the summertime, it's, it's an offshore game. Can you go yep. up there and catch a, a big fish or two in the mornings on, on my lake specifically? Yes, you can. But to fill your limit and, and to get that bag that competes, you you have to go offshore. You're just and I'm we don't have river systems. My lakes right. are, are are big retention ponds. I mean that's that's what they are. Right. You it's hard you're not you're not gonna be able to compete. So that's where that forward facing somewhere. I think there's a time and a place where it comes earlier in the year, it's not gonna play. Later in the year it is gonna play. It's a circumstance. I mean, but sure. It's just it's it's interesting. I love where it's going. I love that it's a, that people are putting it on kayaks. I want it at some point, um, but it's it, to me it just it opens for me as somebody who I worked at a fish hatchery. My senior year of high school, my mm-hmm. first period class was working at a fish hatchery. <laughs> if that tells yep. you how fucking country I am, and I got <laughs> to see bass behavior. Uh, you, Earlier, you were talking about the big swim baits and how fish were eating the swim baits that were smaller than the fish yep. are smaller than the swim bait. They are savages. They oh, are savages. Sure. We when we when they would get when they would be fry, they'd be in the same pond, and then after we'd have to take them out because the parents guarding the fry in that pond would start eating all the fry. Yep, they would start eating their babies. And then we had to put them in these holding tanks where they were fingerlings before they got yep. transferred to a pond where they feed the hell out of them to give them big enough to go put in, you know, to go. Di- but so many times when they were, when the fingerlings were in these little holding tanks, you would see two bass with a tail because yep. two bass swam at each other to eat each other head on. And the one with the bigger mouth won, but they both died. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're. Uh, they are savages. They are geared to survive, eat, make babies, and live. That's their sole goal. That's all they know. They yep. don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. Nate, you don't have anything to add on that? I was waiting on you to jump in. No, Your guest no, co-host, no. you were supposed I mean, to help me. Up here, it's kind of different. Our lakes aren't as big. So, I mean, in the summer, you can definitely still hang with the guys offshore. I mean, it for me, this whole forward-facing sonar argument, it depends on what kind of angler you are in the long run. Because, yeah, it helps you. It helps Matt. But even before this shit, you guys were offshore fishing rock piles and stuff like that if you're not an offshore angler if you're somebody who's up in the slop punching in the summer i say if that's your strong suit you stick to that you don't you know go out there and base it all off this fish finder and if it can see the fish it can catch it because at the end of the day that's not how it works well, let's let's throw Drew Drew Gregory back out. The dude is he wins tournaments. He's he's in the running. 
you know, and you can see it though. You get a, you get a, you get him on a body of water where there's no skinny water for him to get up in, and he struggles. But you, any body of water that's got some kind of river system in there, I mean, he's going to catch his fish. The man has never thrown a cinco in his life. He might be the yep. only competitive bass angler on the fucking face of this planet who has never thrown a cinco. I mean, he's got three rods on his boat, and he throws the same three things. But he's successful at it. He finds his fish, and he can catch sure. it. Yep. But it's also something to say about being somewhat well-rounded, that when you get on a lake that has doesn't have that, you can take your ass out there, and you can you can fish structure if you got to fish it. And, Nate, you brought up the next point. See, Nate, you know what? Fuck Alex. Alex is gone. Nate, you're the new co-host, except you got to turn the TV off. Are you watching football? No, no. You got to turn the TV off. If, if we're going to kick Alex off of this, one, you got to be you got to be better at social media, especially TikTok, and two, you got to be able to create the really nice thumbnails and bullshit Alex does. If you can't do that, you're fired, and I'll bring Alex back. But that does go back. A computer, I got to borrow my girls just to do this podcast tonight. I am the wrong person for thumbnails and shit. <laughs> All right, Nate fired because this podcast will fucking fail. Uh, because <laughs> me and him would not be good at the at different things. What what kind of angler are you? Do you are are you good a mix of both, Derek, or are you offshore? I mean, can you can fish both? Obviously, we know that people know that if they followed you. But what do you prefer? What do you like to do? Do you like to be shallow, beating the bank, pitching, or do you like to get out deep and crank them and jig them? Man, I tell you, it's it's a mix of both, really. Um, yeah, get the fuck out of here. There's days <laughs> that I always offshore guys. There's days that I would rather be punching all day long than go anywhere. But then there's always in the back of my mind that those big schools of fish live offshore, and that's where I like to be as well. So during the day, you're gonna find me in both places for sure. I feel like the only time I've ever seen you like rolling the bank or shallow in the tournament is like you already have 87 inches and you are <laughs> by me going, I'm looking for a giant. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that too, and that I disappear a lot during tournaments. I'm yeah. all over the yeah. place. So you, you won't, you might not see me running the bank, but it doesn't mean I didn't run the right stretch of bank and then just pull off and go somewhere else and fish. You know what I mean? I know that if I'm running the bank, I know what I'm looking for. I'm running a specific type of bank, a specific depth. Um, and you know, just kind of, uh, running that pattern. So, um, you might not see me on the bank. You might see me on the bank all day. You never know. Um, I know definitely up here when you're fishing MAKB and you look out and you see a silhouette in the middle of the lake, That's you have a 90% chance it's <laughs> you, Matt, or John Ferreira out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think that, you know, I've known something that I've learned from traveling all over the place is that big schools of fish live offshore. Hmm. And some of those fish never, ever come to the bank. Um and a lot of times those big schools of fish way offshore, especially up here in the Northeast, they don't get hardly as much pressure as the bank fish do. 
Um, so they might be just a little bit more readily available to bite something. Um, but fishing offshore is cool, man. I mean, I just, I know that from being all over the country that if I run into some fish offshore, it's usually going to be a whole limit's worth. And they're usually going to be bigger for me most of the time. Um, so yeah, I tend to do a lot of offshore fishing, but I think probably my favorite thing to do if the bite is right is to be punching them. I mean, there's something about a two ounce weight mm -hmm. going through a mat and then feeling like you're stuck on the bottom and it starts to pull back. Um, that's fun. As, as a, as a good friend of the podcast, Blaine Upton termed on KBN uh, last year when he won the whatever fucking big bass tournament he won down at Santee. When you punch and you set the hook and your line sings the song of our people, yep. <laughs> that that dolphin that dolphin sound. But he calls it the song of our yep. people. Like you know, there's yep. some. And, and I'm none of my lakes here have punching grass. I don't do that shit. So yep. I have, I, you know, that's just something I'm not good at, but I'll tell you this. I was always a, a bank beater, but the way now I say that I grew up throwing DD 22s and Carolina rigging, but I wasn't very good at it. The folks that it was good to have. And if I knew what to do or where to go, I would do it. But in general, I was small pond fishing growing up. And I beat the bank. That's what we did. When I got up here in a kayak tournament, you get 75 kayaks out here and 30 of them launch for one ramp. Shit, you can't beat the bank. Like I wanna, I'm fast. Yep. When I if I'm bank fishing, I'm I'm going. Well, hell, you'd fish a hundred yards and then you have to skip three hundred yards to get to the next bank that somebody's already fished. And so sure. really quickly, last year I was like, Well, shit, I gotta start fishing offshore more. And that's what kind of got me to going out there and doing that kind of stuff. And that's what I did. Now I like it, but you know, the, it, being versatile is a big thing in fishing. It's not knowing, it's not being, it's being proficient in different ways to present lures. It's mm -hmm. not, you don't have to be perfect at all of it, but when the fucking time calls for you to go throw a crankbait, you can go throw a crankbait. You have the gear yep. and the knowledge. You know, when it when it calls to when it calls to to whatever, I mean, it's it's having it's having the skill set and the knowledge to know when to do it and how to do it. To me, that's the biggest thing with bass. That's why the pros are so good, especially nowadays. Sure. You don't see any pros that do one thing like you did back in the early two thousands and nineties. You don't see that they can do it all. Now they might help. Just this past year, you hear podcasts about guys going and getting shaky heads or bald head jigs. And or, or let me back up. You hear pros now that don't have a spinning reel or didn't have a spinning reel until they lost a tournament. They went and got a fucking spinning reel or didn't yep. know how to tie a, a leader. I mean, stuff like that. These are guys that their livelihood lives off of that and they still yep. are learning. So it's just being proficient in it. For sure. Well, Derek, we're getting we're we we've gone two hours and ten minutes, and this is about mm -hmm. the time that we start to we start to wrap it up. And this is the only time of this podcast that's scripted. Nate, did you get the text I sent you? Um, 
Oh my lord, this man ain't even gonna got his damn phone on him. There, I'm so sorry. For yeah, I got it. I got it. Second rate, dude. Second rate over here. This dude over here. I should have I should have had my eight year old son on here. All right, am I asking these? Is that why you texted it to me? No, no, I texted it to you so you would be able to yes, that's why I fucking texted it to you, Nate. Damn it. All right. All right, there. Uh, we're 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 gonna get into the bass and brew shotgun round. All right. And now okay. when we ask a question, there ain't no thinking, there ain't no this or that or whatever. You just you answer the question. Just answer it. There ain't okay. no thinking. And and me and Nate are going to switch off. And if I don't know how many we got here, and I might throw some extras in. And Nate, if you got an extra you want to throw in, you throw it in. But we're going to start. I'm going to let Nate start. Nate, don't ask the last question in this little text I sent you. That's my question. And so is – so anyway, just start going, Nate. If, if you're going to mess something up, I'll let you know. But you go ahead and start it off, buddy. All right. Crocs versus flip-flops. Crocs. Hell yeah! I would have taken you as a flip-flop guy. No, dude. Flip-flop should be thrown in the trash bin and burned alive. I wear wear flip-flops 99% of the time out of the year, unless my wife makes me put on shoes. Um, Matter of fact, I'm actually barefoot. I have gone to the store so many times I cannot count, and I walk into the store, I'm like, motherfucker, I don't have no shoes on. Yep, it just happens. But when I go fishing, huh? What happened, Nate? We don't do that up here in the north too often. Cody does, and he's he's y'all's neighbor. And dude, that man lives in some backass country in Virginia or Maryland, wherever he's at. Merlin, Merlin. He's but like anyway, he lives off in the swamp. My problem, my problem with I go, I wear flip flops when I go on a on a real boat. But when I'm in the kayak, when I'm trying to haul my damn kayak, my Hobie 14 full of shit up the ramp, when your flip flops get wet, they're leather, and your feet slide out of them the whole way up. I hate that shit. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I can't stand it. So yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a croc no socks. All right, Nate. Next question. Pineapple on pizza. What's that? Yes or no? Yes or no? Pineapple on pizza? Absolutely not. <laughs> You're really disappointing me. I thought we were buddies. Nate, don't talk shit. This man has mentored you. You better be careful. You ain't gonna learn shit from here on out. It's all right. I still got Matt. It's all right. I, I already showed him like my my secret spot. So <laughs> he, hey, you he haven't let me go home with the secret bait. I'm all set. <laughs> if you haven't been giving him no two hundred fifty dollar uh, uh, glide baits, have you? No, he gave me a no, hundred and fifty dollar rod, though. <laughs> I did give him a hundred and fifty dollar rod the other day. Saint Croix, Mojo Gas. That uh, that brings us to our next question, and uh, this is a good question for you, Brundle, because uh, you can go ahead and do your plug thing on this question. Would you rather spend more on a Derek Brundle Signature Series yak rod, or would you rather spend more on a reel? That's actually a good question, um, because one doesn't live without the other. But anyways, you said no thinking, so the rod. Okay. 
Now you want to go ahead and talk about what your favorite rod is real quick. Yeah, I mean, my favorite rod is obviously my series rip series rod <laughs> from Yak Rods. Uh, and you can get a discount on that using what code? DB10. DB10. Uh, all right, all right, all right. So, so what, what, what application is this rod? What application is the rod for? It's, oh. it's designed specifically for a jerk bait, but it does really well, like with a lot of other things, uh, with a tube and some other things. Kind of a multi-purpose blank, but it really does well with a jerk bait. Mm. Do y'all remember when Russ Snyder's last year put out the name for his custom rod he was making, and like a million people said the Russ Reach Around? No. <laughs> <laughs> Russ's reach around. <laughs> next, next question. Next question. Can you expect me to read after that? You gotta give me a second. <laughs> In a three-hour session, would you rather five a reach around hours? or? Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather five two pounders or one seven pounder? I'm interested on this answer right here. Three hour session. What 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 was this what was the scenario? Five two pounders or one seven pounder in a three hour session. Seven pounder all day long. Yeah. I I feel like that three hour session is very important in that. Yeah, if you had said anything like during the day, I would have said five two-pounders. Yeah. But just for a three-hour session, hell yeah, for a seven-pounder all day long, for sure. Well, I don't think Alex – I don't know why Alex put three hours in there. I really don't. But when you think about kayak fishing or bass boat fishing, when you go out for three hours, that that time goes by like that. Dude, it's, it's oh, not yeah. enough. That's why it, I don't do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I say it all the time. The quickest eight hours of my life is fishing the tournament. The slowest five minutes of my life is that six fifty-five to seven o'clock. <laughs> yes. Before fucking lines in oh. when you're sitting at your spot. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and, and I'm I'm a I'm a anxious, nervous kind of person before competition. Like in football in high school, I used to throw up during stretching and. And, and warm-up drills and all this before games and football would throw up. And I'm so I'm a very anxious kind of person. My stomach's all fucked up like I'm scared to fart because I'm scared I'm going to shit myself first thing in the morning. And, you know, I'm drinking coffee and, and you know, all I'm just, I'm just so like, and then when it's time to go, I'm going five and a half miles an hour in my Hobie peddling because I'm a dumbass. All right, next question. You're a big Sanko guy, so this is uh, right up your alley. Oh, no. What a big what guy? Sanko. Bitch, it's an E, not an A. It's a Sanko. It's a Sinko. <laughs> it's a tr- if you want to get technical, for me, it's a true center stick by X Zone, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this man is a professional. Hold on, hold on, hold on Derek. I got you. I got you. Shout out to the Maulers and X Zone. Oh, um, yeah. oh yeah. So wacky rig or Texas? Hmm. Wacky most of the time. 
Do you Nico it or flick shake it? Anything like that? So yeah, most of the time it's like on a Gamagasser G finesse wacky hook, which is like a flick shake weighted yeah, wacky yeah. hook. Yeah, yeah. A little, the the small one. Yeah, so I cannot. I I hate fishing a cinco weightless. I either put yeah. and this ain't no fucking lie. I use roofing nails. Mm-hmm. Why are you laughing, Nate? Why are you laughing? Because I'm reading some of these questions and I can't wait to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> so I use bona fide roofing nails when when I nico rig mine. Because it's got that big that big head, and so that big head, if you're on rock or stuff, is ticking and tanking, and you lose so many shits on that thing. Those roofing nails, I buy a box of those, and they last for fucking ever. And matter of fact, I leave them out my little Hobie tray so to get rusted, and they mm-hmm. never fly out. They never yep. fly out. So I use roofing nails, but I like I like to have some kind of sink on my Cinco. I just so I'm, I'm an impatient. I'm impatient, man. I just can't. Yeah, I- I can't I put the ones with rattles in it when I throw like an eco rig. I'll put the little nail weight with the rattle to give it a little bit extra. We ain't all rich to be paying thirty dollars for five rattling Nico weights like you, Nate. That's a, lot, just, of, a lot of words. I'm just, you know, Joe from Old Glory was good. To <laughs> I probably won't throw much more of them anymore. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Who's Joe Brown? Who the fuck um, is Joe Brown? All right. Slow jams or hype music? Slow jams or what? Hype music. Oh, man. I got hype music on the way out and then country oh. music all day long. Now, what's your definition oh. of hype music? Let's let's hear this. What's your – every one of us got it. What's your tournament song? Every tournament starts off with all I do is win. Really, like DJ that. Khaled. Okay. Yep. All every that's every single tournament starts off the same exact way. When I launch, I, love- I play that, and then as soon as that's over, my Pandora goes straight to country music. I love so you that. We to- all do that. Do you have a song you listen to before every yeah. tournament, Paul? Hell no. I don't turn the radio on. I don't want to talk to nobody. Like I want fucking silence. Before, Damn. during, and after. I I'm, don't Joe, I'm Joe Walsh. Life's been good to me so far. <laughs> hey, you know what? I've got his original vinyl right here behind me. There, mm-hmm. somewhere. I've got the vinyl, the original vinyl. Anyway, I didn't take you for a country a country person there, uh, Brendel. Interesting. Oh, yeah. What yeah. Kind of old yeah. school country? New country? All like, of it. What? All of it, yeah. Just fucking country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I lived in I lived in Texas. I lived in South Carolina. uh, Oh, where's South Carolina? I lived right outside of Charleston. But I was born and raised in South Carolina. I lived in Ladson for a while. Goose Creek. Yeah, I know where Ladson is. You ain't never heard of my town. It was Matt B, South Carolina. We got seven hundred people. The town's one square mile. And only 200 of 700 people live in actual town. We got the claim to other ones because that's all we got. Yeah, because just proximity. 
Bo, who the fuck knows? It's South Carolina. I can't, can't nobody keep up with that state. All right, I got the next one here. Uh, oh, hey, come okay. on. This is the one I was laughing about. This was the one I All was right. enjoying asking him. All right, go ahead, Nate. Go ahead, Nate. Brundle, in all seriousness, I want you to look me dead in the eyes, and I hope your wife is asleep when I'm asking you this. Have you ever ever eaten beaver? Of course. So, So did you have it like barbecued or hashed? It was barbecued. Huh. You've actually eaten the real beaver? <laughs> he said the real beaver. <laughs> no, well, I sure as hell ain't it a stuffed one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I got some hillbilly ass friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it's some weird shit. Did you like it? No. Ah, uh, see, is why? Tell me why? Because I think I know why. Two reasons. Kind of. Kind of was it like, too hairy? No, it's kind of stringy. I don't know. Is is that a weird texture? Kinda, I'm a big texture person. It, it's kind of it's it's like overcooked beef. Is the way it's weird? It's yeah, no, it's just yeah, weird. It's yeah. stringy and tough, but is it is actually delicious. If crock uh, crock pot beaver ain't good as cooking that shit on on like a wood smoker, it it gets different. Gets different. I gave it one shot never again. Oh my word. Come back down here, down here. We'll we'll, we'll cook you some good beaver. Nate, have you ever eaten You want me to come eat your beaver? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll we'll have to eaten, catch one. I've eaten beaver, but never a real one. No. <laughs> well, a stuffed animal? I mean what are you, what are you doing over there? I mean, they don't make they don't make faux beaver. I mean, they don't make faux beaver, well, do they? Well, hey, Derek, right, pre- that, in 2022, they do make some fake beavers. Look, there. Apparently, he's eating fake beaver because all the fur from that stuffed animals get stuck on his face. Dude, it's yep. it's like Beyond Burger. You know, it's Beyond Beaver. <laughs> beyond Beaver. Beyond Beaver. <laughs> 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 so this nice Jesus, does that sell him with the uh, Russ Snyder's reach around? Uh, <laughs> uh, so this next question, I'm going to change a little bit because I don't think you know who Alex Rudd is. That's the guy who runs this show. So I'm going to change it to somebody who you do know. No, 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 you can't know this. Nope. You can add this question. You can add that question, but you have to ask this one specifically. It's it's a specific reason, and they obviously don't listen to the fucking podcast. And I'm pissed at you about it because no, you ask, ask the fucking question as I write it. So, all right, is Alex Rudd overrated or underrated? Overrated. Yes, yes. This is the first time. Hell, yes, yes. Now, yes, now Peter. we're gonna do this with somebody you know who's a nope, friend. Let me of ask. Show. Let me let me ask this question, and then you ask yours. All right, we asked that one. Derek, do you eat largemouth bass? No. Have you eaten largemouth bass? Yes. 
Okay. Why why don't you eat it? Are you just like afraid of it or what's the deal? You know, honestly, I, I I'll be honest, I don't really eat any fish anymore. Um mm. my wife doesn't eat it. So I've now I've been here cooking it for myself and then I gotta make two meals. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. I'm lazy as shit, dude. You know what I mean? I just throw a pizza in and call it a night. <laughs> Hey, I get that because the only way to me to eat any kind of freshwater fish is to fry it. And if I got to sure. cook something separate than that, look, it already takes me 85 dishes yeah. and and 18 pounds of, of, of flour to, to fry fish. So if I got to cook somebody else some shit, they ain't eating tonight. That's my that's my mantra. That's right. All right, Nate, go ahead, house. Ask your, right. your question. You didn't know who Alex Rudd was, so we're going to ask you that same question, overrated or underrated, of somebody who's a friend of the show. Uh-oh. Wild Bill from Hooks at Hoodlums. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wild Bill has has been absolutely tearing up his local Connecticut wild uh, uh he has. thing. This he man has. look. He's you know, there, there's there's a point in one's life where you catch fire and that's the point he's at right now. And then all of a sudden look. it's gonna go and then boom. <laughs> and then Nate is just Nate is just gonna be over there like this. <laughs> Sad little beard, and Bill's gonna be standing over top of him, yelling at him. I'm gonna, Listen, I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna show up for that. When, I'm gonna show up when that, that day comes. I'm shaving the beard. I'll be there, bald face. You remember he said that? <laughs> no shave, never. No shave, never, Nate. No shave, never. Don't be shaving the fucking beards out here now. Look, <laughs> while Bill has been tearing that shit up. He he's a prime candidate that needs to step into some MAKB stuff. He needs to step into some real competition outside of his little home home lakes that he gets to fish all the time. And we need to see it. But props to him because he's been catching like I mean he's been win- he's been dominating the shit he's winning too. He ain't just squeaking by. It's kind of impressive. I've been trying to get him on the podcast here for the last three or four weeks, and he's always got something coming up. I mean, you know, the bitch ain't been busy his whole day in his life, and then when I ask him on the podcast, he ain't got time. All right. <laughs> any any more surprise questions from you, Mr. Chagnon? Huh? What was that? Uh, you got to pay attention. If you're going to be a guest co-host, you have to pay attention. My, 100%. my phone went off. I couldn't hear you. Well, obviously, when I sent you this text, you didn't go, oh, shit, let me go see what Paul sent me. (laughs) Any more surprise questions for Mr. Brundle? Yeah, I got one for you. Fire away, Hoss. Pound for pound or fish for fish. Brundle, who's, in your opinion, besides yourself, the best fisherman in the Northeast. Okay. Wow. Ken, fuck Ken Wood. <laughs> oh, Ken, Ken's, Ken's right there, but he's had a lot of years to prove himself. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, he's, in, he's in old. Tournament scene. Yeah, he is old. He, he is old school. He's old as shit. Um, yeah. But 
I mean, Matt Conant being, I mean, new to the sport, quote unquote, new to the kayak sport. I mean, yeah. the first year he came in, he won rookie of the year. He's the only person in all of KBF history to ever win the KBF triple crown, um, mm-hmm. which he didn't even get a trophy for that, which I think is kind of stupid, but whatever. Um, so no like, money, no recognition, no nothing. Like there was, there was nothing to. I mean, he cashed like a one, seriously one that check, and he's got like the separate little medallions and shit. But yeah, I mean, but you think nothing if you for win, that. The whole triple crown, the the, yeah. the the unachievable as it was made out to be in the kayak world, he's got nothing to show for it. Uh, um, mm. But that dude, I'm telling you, that dude, I've seen it with my own eyes, has caught more fish than anybody I've ever met in my life. I've seen that dude sit five feet away from us and catch fish on the exact same <laughs> does, it, does it all the time like like it's nothing uh i believe he's probably the best fisherman in the northeast and the kayak so, for sure now put, put your name back in it you still think the same i, I still think matt i still think matt okay mm. i want to see i want to see a fish off it needs to be a three-day tournament three different bodies of water and you don't know what they are. This is this is what we need. We need a Brundle Conant fish I'm in. Three different bodies of water, three different days, and you don't know what you're going to fish until the morning of the tournament. I would be in, and so would Matt. I know y'all would. I would yeah, love to see that shit. Hell yes. And Matthew Conant ain't no newcomer no more. Y'all quit saying that shit. He, is, he has solidified his stance now 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 you got to tell the story about the ride back from the nc when he called himself uh an underdog or whatever or <laughs> yes i want to hear this story this sounds awesome wait what, what are we talking about now dude this is a I remember, hours past my bedtime now I remember you. Uh, I remember you telling us a story about driving back from the NC with him, and he's like, "Yeah, dude, it's weird, like being a dark horse in this game." And you were like, "Dude, you just won the national championship, <laughs> the trail championship, and the challenge championship. You are no longer a dark horse." Yeah. Well, I mean, when we were coming back, you know, it it's kind of crazy, right? So. We're down at the national championship, and it was Matt, myself, and Rob Pagnano all traveled down together in the same vehicle. Um, you thought dropping me off at 2 was crazy. We dropped Rob off at 1 before Matt dropped me off at 2.30. Uh, <laughs> so, um, oh, it's crazy. But, I mean, Rob don't have nothing to worry about. The dude's 6'4", 350 pounds. You don't mess with a dude like that. You just turn around and walk away. You see that dude in the dark, you think he's there to murder you. Uh, in in but, Alabama, size don't matter in Alabama. <laughs> that dude eats you alive anyways. But, um, no, yeah, we're coming back, and he's like, oh, you know, he's just talking about, you know, how, you know, nobody knew he, where he's coming from. And, you know, because you could go back to – Shit, a long time ago, um, when I was in the 10 the first time, 
when we did an interview with Scott Butcher, um, and he said to me, who do you think is going to be the next guy to be looking out for? And he wasn't even fishing in kayaks yet. And I said, Matt Conant, when he becomes a kayak angler and gets on this scene, you watch it, he's going to you know, win everything. And then a year and a half later, he went and won everything. Um, but nobody knew who he was, you know what I mean? Um, nobody knew who he was. So he was he was just kind of talking. He's the same old Matt. I mean, he's been my, – my daughter calls him Uncle Matt, you know what I mean? He's been around since – the beginning of time for me i mean freshman in high school we were fishing together um and he just you know nobody knew who he was and he just went down and just kind of grabbed everybody by the face and just kind of slapped them around you know what i mean like it was nothing um and one of the things that really kind of i don't say it got to him but it kind of got worked out in the end it was that um you know everybody the whole time was talking about jackson or jackson or jackson or jackson or great kid does great things for the sport but they didn't even send a camera boat over to like watch matt fish on the final day when he was leading by 12 inches going into the thing you know what i mean like never even said anything to him you know what i mean it's um just kind of strange and that was more of the of the topic of discussion coming back and it's still kind of is i mean it was mentioned once or twice that he won the triple crown but ever since then there's never been a mention of it ever um if somebody down south you know one of the the kbf's golden boys won you would still see posts about it to this day um but i think because someone out of the northeast won it that had just been very quiet and again, like I said, that dude still has got no trophy or anything that says I won the triple crown, nothing. Uh-huh. That's yeah. Man, that's how shit happens like that. But you know. All right. But anyways, what more what what other questions you got? We have one Nate, Nate, do you have any more surprise questions? Yeah. Thank God, because it would take we'd be here another forty-five minutes. Look, there, <laughs> Nate told me you go to bed early, and look, I go to bed early too. There are days in this house I'm in bed and asleep before my wife gets the kids in bed. <laughs> so I go to bed early as hell. Except when we record this podcast, I stay up way too late, and I feel like shit next morning. But that this shit, I don't even know why I'm talking about it right now. Last question. This is the most important question. This is what, besides being a shitty podcast, this is what Bass and Brews podcast is known for. As anglers, most of us like sandwiches. All right? And now this this question can make or break your career because it has, has ended careers of other people. Um, you know, shit, like three, three weeks after we asked this to... to to Josh on Dark Waters, he quit his podcast. I, I guess his answer sucked. What are your top three sandwich proteins? Hmm. I, I'll be honest with you, I hardly ever eat on the water. I don't eat lunch. Um, but I'll all right, tell you're you my making a sandwich. You're, 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 you're starving. You're starving. You need to make three sandwiches. What are the top three proteins you putting on them, Derek? <laughs> Peanut butter. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> this is okay. Okay, one peanut butter. Let's go. Let's go. Two. Um, ham. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I mean, I, I'm not really a big sandwich guy. Um, Mo, you got to answer the question. Quit thinking. We'll talk about it after you answer. Roast beef. Okay, so I will accept peanut butter. That peanut butter is a protein unless my eight-year-old son is listening and peanut butter ain't no fucking protein. He got to have meat on his. But uh, peanut butter is a stretch. It does have protein, but it's not as bad as cheese, which was a of answer we've gotten before, just cheese. And we also got an answer of spinach. Big chance to pop out of the cell, man. There was a lot of protein in spinach. For a vegetable, there's a lot in it, but it ain't a fucking protein. It's a leafy vegetable. Jeez, golly, Nate! Don't try, don't try, don't try to stand up for your Yankee friends. You have ever seen Popeye, man? He he chugs the thing with spinach and bang. Yeah, Yeah. who answered spinach? (laughs) Bailey from Serious Angler, Bailey Agbert. Who who has also who was also on a fucking tear in the kayak scene absolutely. Uh, this year. Absolutely. He he put some shit down, but yeah. Well look, that's the last question we have unless Nate comes up with with something weird like eating beaver again. I don't know where that came from. He made that shit up. But um no, I'm just kidding. We added that in because, you know, I gotta I gotta put a country spin on this podcast. But Derek, thank you so much for coming on, man. Nate, thank you for setting this up. This was awesome. Derek, you're, you're somebody I, I've been wanting to get on for a while. And I, I really didn't know how to reach out. And then obviously with Nate, I was like, Nate, you know what? Ask Derek to come on. And you came on. So I appreciate it because when I first got into kayak fishing, you were one of the first ones that I saw through YouTube and, and some of the stuff in the kayak scene you're the one of the first people that came up and you're very genuine, uh, you know, how you interact in the camera and how you fish and all that stuff. It's, it's just real, you know, it's easy to follow and it's fun and it's informative. So I can't thank you enough for coming on. I'm really appreciative and thank you. This is your chance now to holler out any of your sponsors for the 1800th time tonight, holler them out. This is your time to shine. Uh, tell us who supports you. Uh, give it, give give them their plugs and stuff here. And uh, we'll close it out, buddy. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Nate, appreciate you holding up the Ray's Eyewear. Yeah, Ray's Eyewear is a big supporter. Um, Yak Rods, New Canoe, Motor Guide, The Bomb Anchor, Exxon oh. Lures. Oh, got? I got a The Bomb. I got a The Bomb Anchor, and I got the one with the fucking chain on it. The old ball and chain. That, oh, yeah, I didn't want that little – I didn't want that little pussy – fucking rat wire thing i want a chain baby i got that chain i love that thing but let me tell you something Legit. i'm scared i'm scared my my damn anchor whiz is gonna break one day. <laughs> <laughs> i'm yeah. gonna be out there in my damn hands wrapping that shit around my damn foot or yeah. my t- my big toe or something yep but yeah anyway sorry to interrupt go ahead oh no worries no worries uh no the bomb is awesome um Cross kicks. I mean, I know we talked about the Crocs earlier. Crocs 
Crocs kicks. If you ever put one on, you'll never buy another pair of Crocs in your life. I'm telling you right now. You want to talk about traction, bringing up the muddy boat ramps? Crocs kicks are where it's at. Uh, I've been running them for like three years now. Awesome. Awesome water shoes. Um, Yak gadget. And, uh, yeah, I mean, amped outdoors, man. I love my lithium batteries. I mean, amped, they've been with me since day one. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to all those guys. My wife, um, I can't thank her enough for her support. She's always... I, th- I think she's been sick of me after 27 years. She's just like, yeah, go do your fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? Go do your thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and of course, my wife, his name is Danielle. Um, Danielle. And, Danielle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, she went and closed the door because she's like, yeah, whatever you guys say. <laughs> no, that's the truth. And, you know, like my whole family has always supported me since my daughter, uh, my parents, my brother, my sister, uh, both sisters. Wow. Um, you know, it's just, it's been all around a good thing for me. Um, and you know, as far as being genuine or whatever, this is just something that I love. It's just, I love talking about it. I love doing it. Um, you know, and like I said, I, I really value the friendships I've made along the way. You know what I mean? It's been, it's been pretty cool to meet all these dudes from around the country, um, talk fishing mm-hmm. with them, end up close friends with them uh, like nate said we fish on the weekends when we when we're taking time off we go fishing um time <laughs> off from fishing is fishing um you know i well, mean you you know, t- stuff like that well you gotta take a day off to go fishing with nate because it takes at least six hours for him to get out the words for you to understand them Slowest well, well not only America. that and it takes him six hours to catch one fish so you have to wait around <laughs> for that to happen and then you can go you're teaching me, though. You're teaching me. I'm learning. I got two this trip. Plus, we plus I need her. somebody to take the hooks out of my hand. I need somebody to take oh, the hooks out of my oh, hand. Dude, great. you might want to find a better person, though. So yeah, I, I definitely need a better person. So he put one through. Quick story. He put one through. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, dude, we're striper fishing. All I hear is, uh, and joking around. I'm like, what, did you hook yourself? And I hear, uh, again, and I'm like, oh, my God, you actually did. So he's like, dude, you got to cut the barb out. And I'm like, okay, we punched the hook through. And, dude, I could barely see. I got both my hands in there, his hands in there. And I cut the hook, and I go, all right, you're good. And he goes to pull it out, and all I hear is, ah, you son of a bitch, you didn't <laughs> cut the barb. He cut it just above the barb, just above the barb. I'm like, you son of a bitch. A big, I, I like a, a 10 pound striper attached to one end of the spook. Oh, the spook attached through my hand on the other end. Yeah. Shake the blood. Dude, and dude cuts off the just the tip. Dude cuts off just the tip of the hood. <laughs> Look, yeah, there's you blood can everywhere. Tell he does not listen to bass and bruise, but he listens. Told jugs and bugs, could he cut <laughs> off just the tip? <laughs> that's that's funny as shit, dude. Look, oh, I, dude, I, I felt terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. You're laughing. Oh, this is funny. All right, uh, hey, hey, where can we find you on the socials, there, Brundle? You, you're, you, pr- wh- which ones are you pretty active on that folks you want folks to follow you? 
Uh, you can check me out on TikTok at Fish Freak DJB. Same with Instagram. Uh, 508 Outdoors is my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, um, and then, you know, just look up my beautiful face on Facebook. Hey, good deal. Nate, anybody you want to shout out? Tell us where we can follow you, all that good stuff. Uh, Fresh Baits, Dakota Lithium, um, Old Glory Outdoors, even though this is their last month. Uh, what? And, okay. Yeah, Joe's closing. Um, and um, hooks at hoodlums, obviously. And then, uh, you know, I obviously want to thank uh, Derek Brundle and uh, you know, coaching and putting together a great team like the Maulers and uh, all the sponsor opportunities he's given to all of his teams through that with X Zone, Rays, DeBomb. Yeah. All of them, you know, that's been huge for us, too. So a huge thanks to him for that. And uh, you can find me on Facebook with my name and check me out on Instagram at Shags29. 29? Hey, Derek, don't you have a DeBomb anchor? The Derek Brundle DeBomb anchor? I don't, but I mean, I could probably write my name on it. I, I thought somebody had a, a anchor after them. I thought it was you. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Look, this is Siddiqui, maybe Eric Siddiqui. I, I can't remember. I don't know. I thought it was you. <laughs> Might be Siddiqui. But it doesn't matter. You're here, not him. So and I'm better thank y'all. For, you, you are. You are. You're much taller. Much taller. He's a little shawty. He is a little <laughs> short guy. He, he catches a fish. Fella. It sure does. Um, thank y'all for joining us for Bass and Brews podcast. If you've been here, we appreciate Nate setting this up and getting Brundle on. It was a good time. We had a great time. Check out Hooks at Hoodlums. Uh, outside of that, we don't have no damn sponsors. We do this shit for free. So we put it out every week because we enjoy getting the feedback we get from the folks that listen. We thank y'all for listening. This is a great time. And i tell you what. Look, y'all hold on in the background on the green room. We got about 30 seconds. Look, next week, we're going to have another podcast for you. Hey,